This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Craig. <laughs> who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. Like in, the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Joe, stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast. I am Rich Krejci alongside, as always, a man who has achieved godlike status, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's happening? Now that is an introduction befitting <laughs> of the most compelling voice in wrestling media. I like it. Oh, God. What a week. What a no- This wrestling, man. <laughs> Are you burnt out yet on this Wednesday Night War? I know we love it. I, I, I mean, hey, business is good. Business is good. I can't complain. But, man, it's, it's, it's just... I was really hoping, and, and we'll talk about it here in a little bit, I was really hoping that NWA would just be like utter shit, so I could be like, well, I don't have to watch that show, but then that show's good now, and I'm like, damn it, now I gotta watch you, and AEW's good, and NXT is good, and New Japan still exists, I think, <laughs> they have a show coming up, I think, I think we're gonna talk about it, there's just like, god, there's so much going on, it's good, it's a good problem to have, but yeah, jeez, there's a lot of wrestling. Well, the losers are going to be, you know, like, Ring of Honor is a clear and obvious loser. Who is paying attention to Ring of Honor in any way, shape, or form at this point? You know, it's like um, I think Impact is going to mm-hmm. have trouble. You know, even even going to a much better platform. You know, it's it's, it's not like Axis TV is fucking NBC. Okay, so it's not like. But I understand they're moving up. But you know, th- that's a tricky spot. You know, I think they're going to get overshadowed. Every week by the AEW YouTube show, you know, by Dark. So I think they're going to have a tough time, uh, you know, trying to get market share and get space on shows like this where, I mean, what, under what scenario are we going to be breaking down impact? I mean, there's just – we weren't doing a ton of impact before and with all of this going on, it's hard to find outside of the pay-per-views a scenario where we're going to be doing – you know what's going on in Impact? It's just not going to happen. Yeah. It, it, exactly like you said. It'll be the, it'll be the pay per views. Like I'm I'm still hopefully planning on going to uh, uh, Bound for Glory here in Chicago, and I'm sure you'll watch it. So like we'll talk about it then. But other than quarterly, so we'll have like quarterly Impact discussions, and and that's about it for Impact and Ring of Honor uh, again. Like I'm at a point now where you know I even watch some of these shows, and I think God, but do we even talk about Death Before Dishonor? I don't even if we did last week. I don't think we did. Like I watched that show, but I was like, eh, all right, well we'll talk about it. And then like everything else happened, and I don't even we didn't bring it up last week, did we? I don't even remember. If we, we did. did not, yeah. So there you go. I mean, that, now their pay per views we're not even talking about. So yeah, Ring of Honor is going to get lost in the shuffle. MLW, which I was kind of getting back into, uh, will unfortunately get lost in the shuffle a little bit as well. And that's a, a show that I really did enjoy, you know, watching weekly. But there's just there's so much right now uh, to get into. So let's not waste any time though uh, with this. We have we'll start out with the Wednesday Night Wars Part Two. 
the second <laughs> we got to AEW versus NXT again. Uh, before we get into kind of the ratings talk, which is, is, is very interesting this week, um, and and maybe not, we won't maybe get as granular as we did last week, but I think there's a lot to dig into uh, in terms of the ratings. But overall on the shows, Joe, I was thinking of maybe just doing like what we liked, what we didn't like about the shows, and have to break down you know match by match or, or segment by segment or whatever. Uh, but overall, we'll start with AEW. What did you like on this, the second week of AEW TV? The whole thing. I thought it was better than week one and was like a 99 out of 100 for a TV show or a 9 out of 10, however you want to put I thought it was a great two hours of TV. You had an epic, an epic opening match, which was one of the best, if not the best TV wrestling matches of the year, which was a potential star maker on top of that. Everything else. Then you had the Chris Jericho promo, which was like, I mean, show me a better television promo this year than that one. And everything else was at minimum pretty good until the show closing angle, which again, knocked it out of the park. It was a home run show closing angle. So when you have three segments on a show that are just out of this world, like the Bucks match was, the Jericho promo, and the show closing angle, and nothing on the show is bad. That's a home run show. So I thought it was a tremendous episode of Dynamite. And I, if, if that's what the show is going to be every week, this is going to be incredible. I mean, I'm already looking forward to next week because I thought this week's was just so outstanding. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. And I think the things that that I love the most, and, and you sort of alluded to it there, was the beginning and the end, which is very important for a wrestling show. And it will make you – whatever happens in the middle – if you have a great beginning and a great ending, whatever happens in the middle will, will largely, I don't want to say be forgotten or forgiven or whatever. If it's at utter shit, then no, you'll still remember the utter shit. But like the middle of, the sh- of this AEW Dynamite show was, was, was good. There was some stuff I really, really did enjoy. But when you have that opener, which I thought was probably the best match that we've seen so far in this new Wednesday Night Wars. And we'll talk about, uh, you know, NXT's main event too, which I thought was a tremendous match as well. But, but that is the match that's like, holy fuck, like this this is it. Like you said, it was your first notebook match of the, the this new TV war. Like that was great. That was a star making performance. It was exactly the right booking. It, it you know it, it's one of those classic sort of matches when it's over. You're like that is exactly what it needed to be for every moment that it was. Like <laughs> like from beginning to end, they nailed the entire story that you needed to tell with those guys. Uh, they they put Private Party over, which I think is the right move, 100. Uh, percent The Young Bucks looked great. Private Party looks great. The crowd was into Private Party. And it's just, it, it, it's so the good decision and such a great match, too, that it's like one of those things where you're like, boom, they just nailed it right there. Uh, and there was some stuff in the middle that, that again, like didn't all the way land with me, like Mox and, and, and Sean Spears that I did not love at all. We'll talk about that when we talk about things maybe we didn't like uh, on this AEW show. This is just kind of the positive portion right now. But um, when, you t- when, when it's all bookended by that closing segment and, and that final angle, which was, Joe, I have not been that excited about like a wrestling segment in years like this was just the, every new guy that came out every new wrinkle that happened it was like holy shit oh that was like i was watching and i think it was the most telling is i was watching with the nurse who had came home from work and was like oh shit we have to watch wrestling and i'm like yeah 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 whatever like you just have to watch wrestling for another it's another half hour and then it's done and then we can watch whatever the hell you want and she's screaming she can't she's like oh my god darby Allen, that's awesome oh he's in escape like she was going nuts too and i was like all right like it's 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 cool because i haven't seen her you know react like that to wrestling in in, in forever because it's like oh god this wrestling shit here we go and she's like Oh yeah, do it, Cody. Yeah, Bucks. Yeah, super kick him. And I'm like, all right, cool. That's a lot of fun. So I was like having fun watching wrestling with her, which is something that you know, unfortunately, hasn't happened a whole lot, other than you know, on, on the house call on the voicewrestling.com/slash/patreon, of course, uh, right there. But like that closing angle is like, 
again, you talk about the opener, which was like everything that needed to be exactly the right tones, every single thing. That was that's what that closing segment was. It was like you saw the two units sort of form. You saw the MJFTs, and then he goes, you know, and and, and he, you get something to cheer for because he doesn't turn his back uh, on Cody just yet. If they're going to do that, they're going to wait a little bit while to do that. You have Darby Allen setting up his match with Jericho uh, the next day. You have you know. Every little moving part working out there. Cody against Jericho and the Bucks versus these guys. It's just like everything worked, and you're like, "Fuck!" Like I can see these two units in a War Games match. I can see every match that's coming up in the in you know next week, and then at the pay per view. Like it just it laid out everything that you needed for like the next few weeks of AEW TV and into the pay per view, and it was just like a, a, a controlled chaos at the end there where it's just everything came together and everything was so perfect like i gotta imagine they can't they got through the curtain after that and just said fuck we killed it like that was awesome guys because it was just like a tremendous processing segment i i haven't seen something like that in 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 years on 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 tv yeah it was just a super hot angle there's you know uh no question about it it just worked on every level and the one glaring thing to me between not just AEW and NXT because one is in a room with 500 people and the other is running big buildings. But between Dynamite and Raw and SmackDown, it's just like wrestling crowds are back. And you just – you almost forget what a great American wrestling crowd is supposed to sound like. And I can't remember a Raw or SmackDown crowd – sounding like these dynamite crowds. And I don't know if they're going to sustain. I talked about this a little bit behind the paywall today on the Thursday TV reviews, but I feel like as they make their way around the country, we're still in the congratulatory phase of the company. A lot of these fans are going to their first AEW shows and they want to pat everybody on the back and they want to replicate the crowd that they saw on TV the week before. They want to replicate the crowd they saw at double or nothing. And they're just excited to see everyone, which is why I think it's going to be very difficult for Chris Jericho to get genuine heel heat until that phase of the company is over. And it eventually will be, and that the newness will wear away. And, and, but it's like these crowds are just lifting everything, and particularly for that final segment. And it's just so – it just makes it on top of everything else – such an exciting, vibrant show to watch. It just, there's just such a striking difference between this show and everything else on TV. And a lot of it is the crowds. And these fans are just, they're outstanding. They've been outstanding through the first two weeks. Yeah, and I think a, bi- a big part of that, and, and you mentioned all the time too, and, and you know we've heard some criticisms. All these fans are just—they're easy. <laughs> it's like yeah, they're easy, but that's good. You want fans to be easy. When, when fans are easy, that means you're doing your job correctly in some sense. That they are buying into what your company says. They're buying into your characters. They're buying into everything that you do. If you don't fuck them over, if you if if you let the fans sort of say what they're going to say and do what they're going to do, and then sort of maybe even tailor stuff towards them, or just like just don't you know throw shit in your fans' faces. This is what will happen, and it. it, it 
it's remarkable how we've kind of lost sight of, of that over the last 20 years. And I've remarked to you when we do these, you know, WWE pay-per-view reviews and whatnot is that, like, nobody makes noise anymore. You go back and watch old WWE pay-per-views from, God, five, six years ago. Don't, God forbid, 20, 30 years ago or whatever. And it's like crowds just don't make noise anymore. There's just not that investment for the people that are coming out. Whereas, you know, for the AEW, like I said, the, the closing angle was every new guy that came out got a bigger pop than the last guy because they were just excited to see anybody. Anybody could have walked through that curtain and they would have gotten a, a decent pop because they were just ex- they're excited about the stories that are being told. They're excited about the company and and it's cool. It's 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 something like you said. It's very unique from what we've had you know on major wrestling TV for a while. And 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 the closing angle to me felt a lot like classic ECW. And and what you're kind of talking about too is is similar as well. Is that the crowds are going to these shows knowing, hey, look, the last time we were here, or hey, the last crowd, they were awesome, we're going to be better. I mean, you're somebody who, who went to those ECW crowds back in the day. That was sort of a thing that like the fans knew, like, hey, look, we got to play our part in this too, right? Yeah, and later on when they were going to the Elks Lodge in Queens and alternating between the Elks Lodge and the ECW Arena in Philly, Heyman was smart enough to play those two crowds against each right, other. Right, right. They were going to try to outdo each other. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that was a big part of it. But just to see big arena wrestling crowd. I mean, WWE crowds used to be hot like that. But, you know, if we talk about it all the time. You go back and watch Attitude Era shows or, or shows from different eras, and you get that same dynamic. It's just over the years of just what the company's been pumping out over the last however many years you want to say, 10, 15 you want to go back as far as 20 and you know the crowds just they're not you don't get a sustained hot crowd on either of those shows anymore and none of their and almost none of their pay-per-views the only time you get anything even close is the raw after wrestlemania and then everybody complains about those crowds anyway so you can't win um and that's why i never complain about those crowds even when they're even when they make me roll their eyes with some of their antics at least it's a hot crowd that's responding and and making noise and 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 giving the show some life. I'll take that over dead crowds any day, even if they're just putting themselves over. But these dynamite crowds have been a huge, huge part of the overall. Just the, the environment. Just it feels like you're watching. Look, it's the hot new product. I get it, and that's part of this. And but it is what it is. And eventually, that part of it'll wear off. But it just feels like a hot. New, vibrant, exciting, action-packed, I-can't-miss-a-minute-of-this kind of show. And it has delivered both weeks. And I thought this week's was just outstanding in terms of you know the Darby stuff at the end coming off the win to set up the title match next week and the incredible Bucks versus Private Party match, which was everything it needed to be. And, you know, I disagree slightly on that. I'm not... I don't have a strong feeling either way, but I would have been okay with either team winning as far as the booking of that match. And I know that's a big talking point last night, and it's a big talking point today. You, as you've already stated, are 100% on board with Private Party winning before the match, and then the way it played out, nobody could tell you you're wrong. Um, I wouldn't have had a problem with the Bucks winning, and I didn't have a problem with Private Party winning. I, I think both arguments are good. It's one of those things where I don't think either side of the argument is bad. I think the way the match was structured as I was watching it play out, I felt like Private Party was going to get over either way. If you want to have them beat the Bucks right then and there, 
I, I see the argument. If you want to have them come close and just prove that they're in the Bucks league, but then the Bucks just pull it out in the end, but you're leaving the viewer with the idea of, okay, this new team, they're going to get them next time. I think that would have worked too. So I'm not, I wasn't going to come on here and complain about either team winning the match. All I know is the match was incredible. The Bucks did a fantastic job having a great match with a team that needed to have one. And the entire segment, the entire match was, was one of many home runs of the night for AEW. Yeah, and, and as far as the booking of of, of party and 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 the box and and who should have won, I think you had a good point on on, on Twitter, and I 100 percent agree with this as well. And this is actually how I would book this and, and structure this right now. Is I think Private Party getting the win over the Young Bucks more so than like having a gutsy performance and just barely pulling it out or just not pulling it out or whatever. I think that you know, I to me that. It's a good story. It's a fine story, but I think this one's better. They beat the Bucks. They prove that they belong. They're stars on this night. You know, they would have probably been stars anyway. But now, what I love, and, and, and you brought this up, is that they can lose in this tournament now. I, and I have no issue with that whatsoever because I think they're made at this point. And I think if you want to, you can hold it off. And, and, and now that they're where they are, that you can have, God forbid, Dark Order or somebody else win this tournament and, and build to that eventual moment when Private Party. Can can sort of say okay, look, we lost here, but we beat the box. We got the you know, and get back on track, and 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 eventually win those titles down the line. Like you can build that for another moment. Like the the fun will be now in the chase for Private Party. But but the idea of them like maybe getting knocked out in the first round, even with a gutsy performance, I think would have taken a little bit off. Whereas this, I think, is ideal. Where they win now, they beat the box, they prove that they belong. And then they just, you know, they get loose somewhere along the line, whether it's Dark Order, whether it's whoever beats them. And I, I like that idea of the story. I, I think that's a pretty cool story to tell because now you then build for something in the future as, as well as now you got guys for right now. So I think that you brought that up and I thought that was exactly the way it should go uh, if I was booking it. Yeah, I mean, they, now you have a free pass with them. Anything now is gravy. And I, I actually think it would be a mistake if they won the tournament. You're just you're you're blowing through everything too soon with them at that point. Then it's like okay, they beat the Bucks and now they're going to win the titles too. I mean, shouldn't this be a longer story sure. for this oh, team? Right, right, right. Yeah. Which you know, obviously they're going to be the stars of the division moving forward. You know, at some point, it's not like the Bucks are retiring tomorrow. We got to remember, um, you know, Matt Jackson's in his twenties. <laughs> you know, it's just not like they're going anywhere. But you get the idea in terms of making new stars. It's going to be a star act. You can see the seeds planted. So you don't do everything in the first month. So, you know, and and look, I'm someone who generally errs on the side of doing things a little slower. I think there's times where you hot shot something. I think there's times where you just strap the rocket pack. There's no question. But in general, I'm always a fan of taking your time and doing it a little bit slower, which is why I would have been fine if the Bucks won, but I'm fine with this too. But now... It'll annoy me if they win the tournament. Let me just say that. I won't like that. I don't think they should win the tournament. I think Dark Order, look, I called it months ago. Look, we both said it months ago. Dark Order is winning this tournament. Do you agree with that? Yeah, of course. And, you know, they're just not going to stop with this and they're going to win the tournament and they'll probably beat Private Party in the final. I'd have no problem with Private Party losing a final in sort of a gimmicky match to the Dark Order. You know what I mean? That, that wouldn't cut them off at all or they wouldn't lose any steam. As far as losing in the next round, I don't know. I have to see who the opponent is and how it comes across. I can't say for now. But, you know, ideally, I think I'd put him in the final and and have him lose to Dark Order if that's what you're going to do. What do you think of the idea that the vice presidents 
are not pushing themselves hard enough. Yeah, I saw a lot of discussion about that. And and, and in one breath, it's like, uh, Cody? <laughs> like, we're just going to knock out Cody. Okay, that's fine. Like, well, with the like, exception, yeah. well, uh, with, with yeah, the yeah. obvious exception of Cody. Right, who's the biggest star in the entire company. Who's really been presented. <laughs> right. and, 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 and listen, deservedly so, because he comes across as a megastar. So I don't think that that's even being forced. I mean, he's getting a mega push and, and he gets the best reactions. So I think he deserves it. So, yeah, put him aside. But you have the Bucks getting knocked out in this tournament, right. going 50-50 going with the Lucha Bros before that. Kenny Omega really isn't in any kind of mix. I mean, he lost to Jericho uh, and didn't even get to the finals of his tournament. Now he's just in this feud with Moxley and isn't really heavily featured on the TV. Uh, Hangman Page is not an EVP, but he's considered one of these guys who is part of that elite group. And he's sort of been pushed back, but you could argue that that's what he has earned by not getting over the way they thought he would. So, you know, and, and we haven't seen Brandy on TV at all. So from that perspective, do you think that this – do you think they're bending over backwards to overcorrect to make sure that people don't think that they're just going to build everything around them? Or do you think that this strategy has sort of been sound and there's good reason for all of them not being pushed right away? I, I, I Honestly, to me, I think it's it, it's – there's good reason for it. And the one thing I bring up is, like, Kenny is the guy I think that's the real wild card in this. That that you assume that when Kenny Omega comes to the company, that Kenny Omega is one of the featured guys, that he is going to be somebody that goes and wins and, 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 and is, you know, in the in the mix and in the title picture and all that sort of stuff. He's the one wild card. And and they're telling the story that they are with him where he's, you know, breaking down and, and doing stuff with Moxley and kind of getting out of the, the, the mix in terms of the title. And that's... You know, that's weird. It is a little strange. I maybe would have him more in the mix. But a team like the Young Bucks, I think where they're at in their career and, and people that have followed the Young Bucks for years and years and years knows that they're pretty Teflon. Like, they they take jobs. You know, they do jobs everywhere. You know, other, with the exception of a few companies that they worked in, and particularly Ring of Honor or whatnot, they were a team that just would lose. They have no problem losing to you. They have no problem doing whatever because they're just – their gimmick and their whole thing is they just go out there and have a fucking great match and sometimes they win and sometimes they lose. And people might get upset about that and hate that or whatever and say, well, they're the stars and they should be, you know, the ones winning and whatnot. But the Bucks, that doesn't that doesn't surprise me at all. I, I would have told you that the Bucks were going to be a team that was just kind of in the mix, that they weren't a team that's just always going to be, because no one's going to care. You put the, the Young Bucks in the main event, even though they're one and three or whatever, no one's going to give a shit because they're going to go out there, throw some super kicks, do some cool shit off ladders, and no one's going to give a fuck that they're one and three or whatever. Kenny, Kenny, I agree. Kenny is a weird way that they're doing this, and I don't know like, I, I, I don't know if I would have approached this Kenny idea if I knew that the Young Bucks would also be like, hey, look, we don't really care. We're going to lose a bunch of matches, too. So there's where it's a little bit tricky there, but they're trying to tell that story with Kenny, and I get it, and and they're trying to build it up, and they're trying not to to overshadow Cody's thing, and, and this is going to be an issue when you have wins and losses, and, and they matter, and they're important, and all that sort of stuff, is that guys like Kenny Omega are going to have to take some falls to not be in the title picture. Like, Pac kind of found himself in the title picture. We saw that on, on Dynamite this week, where he's like, well, I mean, I keep winning. <laughs> you know, like, why do these guys get a title shot? And it's a weird way that they have to sort of address that and say, like, well, yeah, 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 you're going to get your title shot eventually. Or, yeah, you know, and, and, and so you got to do some stuff where, where a guy like Ken Omega takes some losses and takes some falls to kind of keep him out of that picture and not have people wondering, hey, why is that guy, you know, not in the title picture? So, so he's a little weird there. As far as Paige, I mean, I probably assumed that he was going to be doing a little bit better, but like you said, he hasn't really earned it. Like he hasn't really done anything that makes me say, "Oh, geez, this guy definitely needs to be on the top," and 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 this guy definitely needs to be protected. Like I, 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 eh, I don't know. He just really hasn't 
done a whole lot for me so far in AEW, and I think you know it would have been a disastrous idea to have him be the world champion. <laughs> when you see you know how Jericho carries himself and Jericho's promos and just everything about Chris Jericho these first few weeks, and it's just like, oh god, what a disaster it would have been uh, for Hangman. So to kind of answer your question, you, you know, and, and give a conclusion to there. I, I, I like the story they're telling because I think the Kenny story is cool. The Bucks I never really worried about because I always thought they were going to be 50-50. And the Hangman thing, like, yeah, ideally he'd win a little bit more, but I don't think he's quite earned it. So, you know, ultimately I, I don't know that I have a huge issue with it. Mostly because Cody's pushed. If they were all, if Cody was also losing and Kenny was losing and the Bucks were losing and all this, then I would say, yeah, okay, guys, reel it in. Like, we know, like, you're trying to avoid the stigma that you're just pushing yourselves. But because Cody is so pushed and so at the top, those other guys, I think, can kind of fall to the back a little bit, and it, it, it doesn't matter all that much. They still come across as major stars to me. I don't know how you could have watched the Bucks last night and not thought that they came across as major stars. Right, well, and the Bucks can lose 20 straight matches, and they're going to go out there and still be stars. Like, there might come a point where they're not, but that's not today. It's not tomorrow. It's not in a week. It's not in a month or whatever. The Bucks are still just insanely over because of what they do in the ring, not necessarily whether they win and lose. And, and again, people can have issues with that, and I get it absolutely that, that you'd have an issue with that, but the crowd connection is still there, regardless of if they win or not. And I think you could flip the switch on Omega anytime you want. I, I think Omega is ultimately going to be the one to beat Jericho. Now, I wouldn't beat Jericho for a very long time. I think that Jericho not only was of the obvious choice to beat Paige, but I wouldn't have... You know, there was some argument that maybe Omega should have been the first champ. No, I think Jericho is the perfect champion right out of the gate for a million different reasons. And he's delivering too. So um, they picked the right guy to put on top. And I think he should be there for a while. Um, I'm a little concerned that maybe Cody will beat him at this pay-per-view. But I'd still peg Jericho as the favorite. And if I were running things... He'd win, he'd win the match. Now, let me ask you this. We're two weeks in. Again, this was discussed behind the paywall as well today. Patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling in more detail than it will be here. But in terms of the tone of the show, that Tony Khan interview with Wade Keller not only reassured me to some degree, but I still needed to see the finished product to be totally sold on his vision ultimately being the one to win out. To me, Rich, it feels like Tony Khan is producing this show with his vision and he comes and, and the way that the show has been presented through two weeks, I feel like it's like like with an iron fist. We're not seeing any of the silliness that we fear. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we were in fear, if you listen to this show, that Silliness would creep in, being the elite type stuff would creep in. No. Tony Khan laid out his vision to Wade Keller, and that has been followed to the letter. I think it's time. I mean, I trust Tony Khan. I mean, he said that what this show was going to be, yeah. and that's exactly what it is. What do you think about that? No, absolutely. I mean, he, he said no backstage segments. We don't even know what the fucking backstage at AEW looks like. They don't even have a backdrop. You know what I mean? Like, they haven't done any of that. He said no Zero. hidden cameras. Everything's going to happen in the ring or in the arena. Everything's happened in the ring or in the arena. Uh, he said, you know, none of the being the elite stuff and that sort of comedy and that sort of stuff. And none of, Joe, where are the librarians? I don't care. I don't fucking care. They're not here. They're not on my TV. 
It's great. And, and the yeah. only sort of thing that you have that's a little tongue-in-cheek right now is is the best friends at Orange Cassidy, but that's, like, good enough where I don't really care. Like, they had a, a you know, got a, a fucking 15-second segment or whatever on Dynamite this week, but it's fine. Those guys are super over, and it's super fun, and, and that's 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 the sort of comedy or, or, or sort of tongue-in-cheek stuff that I have no issues with because those guys, you know, compared to the fucking librarians, I mean, my God. And, and, and yeah, everything that Khan said and everything that he laid out and everything that he sort of said about the show being structured, the way it's going to be structured, and, and the Bucks kind of followed up as well. They were said, you know, from the beginning, yeah, being the elite is going to be being the elite, and that's going to stay the way it is. But this is going to be different, and it was like you and I didn't believe it. I, I honestly, honestly, got that I was going to turn on AEW Dynamite and I'd have a kick-ass opening, and then there'd be some bullshit librarian stuff and some weird stuff, and then Nakazawa's out there fucking. Re- but like, there's none of it. It is exactly what Khan said, and it's exactly what we have wanted out of this AEW television show. It is serious. It's you know, it, it, it everything is done inside the ring. Everything is done. With purpose, the wins and losses do matter. There's not a bunch of bullshit. Everything's kind of clean finishes, and if it's not, they're 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 being mindful of of trying to get the ref sort of distracted this week, especially they try to do it after last week. Yeah, I mean it is it is which, exactly, which shows that yeah. which which shows that they're listening to criticism and opening to fixing things too with the overcorrection on that this week, right? With the refs, oh for sure. Yeah. So so that that leads me to believe like after these two weeks, seeing the progression from week one to week two, and again it's gonna well who knows what it's gonna be like in a month's time, but so far seeing what what we saw in episode one, which I really enjoyed, but like you said, episode. This episode this week I thought was like great. Like you said, nine out of ten. Like that was processing TV to me. If if I could watch that episode over and over for the rest of my life, I'd be fine with it. It was exactly what I wanted out of a processing TV show. And knowing that some of the things that were wrong in episode one got fixed, got changed, were addressed with episode two, it's 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 got me like you said, like two weeks ago we were ah, I don't know it's gonna be weird who knows what's gonna happen like I am I have the utmost confidence in the show right now and, and it could turn on a dime it could absolutely turn on a dime it wouldn't be the first show that has done that but but it's hard not to think Jesus these guys they have a vision and they're laying it out and so far everything is just getting it's getting nailed I mean they're they're nailing it the first two weeks so far so I, I'm excited about it I, I said behind the paywall when I talked about this I'll reinvestigate it after six weeks I talked about it after two I'm going to leave it alone, and I'm going to look at it again in six weeks. But I am very confident now in what Khan is doing because it, 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 you just get the idea that he is the final word, and this show is his vision because it's the exact vision he laid out with Wade Keller. And there was always a concern. Look, he's in his 30s. He's you know an old-school newsletter message board fan right maybe he'd get wrapped up in being in a room with a group of pro wrestlers and you know it's like maybe they'd be able to influence him negatively but i don't i get the sense that it's it it's his vision and that's it that's the that you know he puts his foot down and i'm sure he has vetoed some shit and you know maybe some dumb shit will sneak through but my god it has this been refreshing to, to listen, if me and you could book a pro wrestling show and lay it out and produce it with the same resources and the same talent that he has at his disposal, Rich, it wouldn't look a lot different than this show. No, it's pretty close <laughs> to our vision for sure. Yeah, that's... And, and I assume a lot of the people listening to us right now, and that's because, listen, what have we been saying for years? If someone is going to come on the scene, they've got to be completely different than WWE. And the best case scenario is a newsletter reading 
message board posting smart with real money backing. That would, would and we've said that for years, and that's exactly what we have, and that's exactly why we were excited about the potential of a Tony Khan run wrestling promotion way back when the story first broke. And that's why we were a little worried based on the content of some of the YouTube stuff and some of the content of the early pay-per-views that, you know, maybe the influence of the people he hired was going to be too strong. The TV, as he promised, is completely different than being the elite. And it's been different than the pay-per-views, honestly. I mean, I am so impressed by that. And I have so much more confidence in Khan now than I did two weeks ago before the TV started. So I thought that was something worth discussing as well. And, um, you know, this is a show that I genuinely am looking forward to watching on a week in, week out basis now after the first two weeks. Um, Could that confidence change if they have a real stinker? And, well, you know, of course, you know, it is only two weeks. But so far, and then, you know, compared to NXT, Rich, I have a real hard time watching NXT after I watch AEW. And it's not because I think NXT is a bad show. But, my God, it feels so dry and lifeless. And AEW's production and energy and fans and the freshness and newness of it all, NXT just cannot stack up. I cannot put on that little NXT show from that little building in full sale after I watch AEW. I tried it last night, and I tapped out after 40 minutes because I said I'm going to be grumpy. I'm not enjoying this as much. I'm still on a buzz from Dynamite. I'm going to bed, and I'm going to watch this in the morning with fresh eyes after I've come down from the incredible two hours of television I just watched. And I enjoyed NXT a hell of a lot more watching it the next day. Then when I tried watching it back to back and last week when I watched it immediately after and it, it, it hurt my enjoyment of it as well. At this point, and I don't care who gets mad at me, Dynamite is such a far superior, better show than NXT. I mean they're not even in the same universe. And it has nothing – like the wrestling on NXT is good. It is good. Really good. Yeah, this, this, week, this week was awesome. There was a lot of good stuff on this week's show. Yeah, like last week it was – with the, with the Cole-Riddle match, it was definitely the better wrestling show last week because AEW didn't have a match that could, could compare to Cole-Riddle. This week, I thought it was a little closer. I preferred the AEW wrestling a little better because I, I just preferred a little more, but I think you can go either way on it. But it's like everything else about the two shows, right? It's like one feels new, exciting, vibrant, um, must-see. I have all of those feelings about AEW. I have none of those feelings about NXT. It comes off dry, sterile, um, just uh, self-contained. I don't know if that's the – I don't know what it is about it, but it dated. All of a sudden, it feels dated. Yeah, in two weeks, it it became the most dated show on TV, a dated wrestling show almost immediately. It is – 
it's staggering how, how you know NXT for for years. I mean, I was fine. We always talked about how the the, the format of NXT TV was. Yeah, it was a little dry and a little boring. But hey, you know it's not bad and it's good wrestling. And then this Dynamo comes on and 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 they're going head to head against this Dynamo and it is flipping back and forth. I think is even more because I'm the same way as you, Joe. If I flip back and forth and and I did that the first week, this week I pretty much stuck with AEW almost the entire time and decided, hey, I'm gonna watch NXT afterwards. And then same deal with you. I watched maybe five minutes of NXT and said, you know. What I'm just I'm gonna watch it tomorrow because it's just, it's I'm I'm not going to properly get in the mindset of of, of enjoying this AEW show because I don't, or, or the NXT show I don't want to say hey and I don't want to directly compare it exactly to AEW I want to watch it on its own merits and and you know I watched it today and and it was good but you know knowing what happened last night as I tried to watch both and knowing what happened as I tried to switch between the two it is jarring like you said I mean one of them feels like the most old boring out-of-touch show in the world. And it's like, that's NXT, man. That's the cool show. <laughs> like, there's no, like, how did that happen overnight? But but you you see it. Like, the crowd's dark and dingy and it's small. The arena's kind of small and the announcers are just kind of screaming about stuff. And, like, the characters aren't that over and the crowd's just not that crazy. And then you flip over and there's this bright, shiny little object here in AEW and everyone's over and the crowd's going nuts and the matches are cool and everyone's cutting great promos and stuff and you're like, holy shit. It's just, it's jarring and I never, ever would have expected it to be as stark as it is. But it is it is almost impossible to watch them both on the same night. Yeah, I mean, in one week, AEW turned NXT from the cool hip alternative into the same old, same old as they are now the cool hip alternative. It's not even close. It's Dynamite's just a better show. That's all there is to it. Like, even when the wrestling is better on NXT, Dynamite's the better show. You know why? The crowd and we're getting real, actual pro wrestling promos that are great, which WWE is never going to give you because it's always going to be that scripted WWE feel. And now that we've seen with Dynamite and the NWA show that we'll talk about later, it's like, you're like, God, I, I forgot. What good promos yeah, sound Yeah, promos like. exist. Guys can still... We, we have this idea in our heads that modern pro wrestlers can't cut promos. Bullshit. They can. They're just never getting an outlet to do it. Modern wrestlers can yes. cut fucking great promos if you give them the opportunity to do it. Yeah. And and it's it's all of those things. And it's just, you know... <coughs> it, 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 AEW makes you feel excited. And, and NXT just... It's a good show. It's been a good show both weeks head-to-head, but... It's not making me excited about next week. It's, it doesn't make me and, – and look, I'm faced with the decision every week with which one am I going to watch live. Rich, I never even think about it. It's not even a, a – it, it's not even debatable. I, I, I instinctively put AEW on. It's, a, it's not even a choice to me. You know, It's like not even, oh, well, let me look at the lineups. No. The, the easy choice is AEW because it's just a far superior show to this point through two weeks. And in order for NXT to catch up, I mean, I think they, they'd have to get out of that building, number one, because you're not going to match the energy of AEW in full sale. You're just not. And, you know, I, I don't know that – I think eventually they will get out of full – look, this is a good transition to the ratings, Okay. This week, I think the ratings news is neutral for AEW. I don't think they're throwing a party like they were last week. But I don't think there's any particularly jarring or bad news in in the numbers 
for NXT, if I'm in the room, it's a crisis point. This is getting ugly. Mm -hmm. You cannot drop. They've been on for a month. You cannot go. Forget AEW. Forget it. Just forget about them for a second. You cannot go in the demo from 2nd to 8th to 10th to 27th in the demo. You cannot do that in four weeks. People, and and particularly young people, we talked about WWE has a young people problem, okay, across all of their brands. You cannot go from 2nd in the demo to 27th in three weeks. That tells me that people are running from this show in droves. In the 18 to 49 demo. I mean, it's right there in black and white. 27th, Rich. WWE does not live there. WWE lives at the top in the 18 to 49 demo. They pride themselves on it. Okay. Raw, number one for years and in, 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 in top three minimum, top five minimum in the demo. SmackDown, look what they, they demolished the competition in the demo on Friday. They were, they were all one. And nothing else on Friday night on TV was over a point two. They do not live 27th in the demo. This is not what WWE is. This show is becoming an outright disaster. To me, the big rating story this week is not the AEW side at all. I think it's neutral news for them. The big story to me is the consistent and jarring drop in the demo for NXT. People do not want to watch this show. Some of that is AEW. But they had a big drop between week one and week two before AEW was even a thing. Right. So I'm not even buying that it's – you know it's definitely a contributing factor. There's no question about it. But that, those are jarring statistics to me. And you know we can go line by line with the demos again if you want. But I, I, to me, I mean Vince McMahon had to be puking in his mouth when he saw that they finished 27th in the demo and that they put up a .22. I mean, this is not working. And we're almost to the point now where I believe that they're reaching their bottom point. Because when you look at some of the data, they're down to 790,000 viewers. Okay. I think it could go a little lower than that. But, um, you know, we, 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 we got some data from an industry insider, uh, some stuff that, you know, the public may not be privy to, where it's like, the minute by minute, the in the demo now, I'm talking under 50 years old. Minute by minute, the AEW viewers are flipping over to check out NXT, but they're coming right back. Mm-hmm. The NXT viewers aren't even flipping. So what does that tell you? To me, and you may have a different take on this, and I went in-depth behind the paywall, so I'll let you do most of the talking here. But to me, that tells me that NXT is down to the core WWE hardcore base at this point that aren't going to watch other wrestling because they just like WWE. They're not even curious about AEW right. at this point. Whereas the AEW viewers are wrestling fans who are like you, like you do. Yeah, curious and flipping around and so, seeing what's well, on both shows. Yeah, yeah, that's ah, a commercial. Let me see what's going on. And then what do you do? You frantically go back because you don't want to miss a minute of AEW because that's, that's where to be. That's my read on it. What do you think of that interesting piece of data we were given? Yeah, no, that, that was interesting when I because initially when I, I read it, I was like, that's that's strange. What does that mean exactly? And I'm thinking, okay, well, it, first my thought is, okay, well, that means that NXT's got a show that like people want to watch. But then hearing that, like, yeah, a lot of the viewers are are, are are bouncing back and forth. The AEW viewers are bouncing back and forth. The NXT ones are are, are sticking with it. 
the more you kind of look at it and, and, and put it together with the numbers, it's like, yeah, so so what's happening is is those fans that we always talk about, the ones that this entire wrestling war is designed for, the people that are going to maybe watch both things, you know, are excited to just consume wrestling on Wednesdays now and see what sort of happens or whatnot, those people are checking out NXT, they're watching it, but they're either not liking what they're seeing or they're saying, oh shit, AEW's back on, I'm going to get back to AEW, like you said. So it's one of two ways, and I don't know exactly which it, that is, because like, I don't think NXT is a particularly bad show at all. Like That Kushida-Walter match was awesome, a lot of stuff they had on the show was, was really good. Like I liked this week's episode of NXT, I don't think it's necessarily because NXT is bad. I just think it's because AEW is so good. You know what I mean? Like that 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 you, as you said, don't want to miss a second of AEW. So if you're a fan that's flipping back and forth, you're gonna check out NXT, see what's going on during a commercial, and the second you think that AEW might be back or you have an inkling that AEW's back, you're right back to AEW. And AEW is your primary show that you're now watching versus the fans that are gonna watch NXT regardless because they're just they're WWE fans. They're only gonna watch NXT. And that's that's good that you have loyal fans like that. It's good that you have fans that 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 are gonna stick with your show and not watch the competition, do all that sort of stuff. The problem though is that when we look at the demographic numbers, those aren't the fans you want. <laughs> you don't want these like these fans are good to have, but man, you want those flippers. You want those people that are going back and forth because those fans predominantly are in this age group, in that main demo that you're trying to get. And they're just they're just not interested in either a sticking with your show, or 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 b they're just more interested in AEW. And that's like you said, crisis is. And and I I saw some people on Twitter being like, oh, they're not in crisis. Like if I was them, I would be because this is like, oh shit, what are we gonna do? Because if you're NXT, you're, you're sitting at the table, whoever is the decision makers, what do you do? I mean, what what's the next step? Like what what do you do? And we talked about this last week too. What is that next thing that you do to say, okay, 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 I got it. I know how we're gonna be able to get the young viewers back. I know the next. Well, the next step is AEW has the stars and is the must see show, which is why the AEW viewers are flipping over. And then listen, these these are statistics. This is not subjective. This, what I'm telling you right now is objective. Right. We got these numbers. They're flipping over, and then they're all coming. No one's staying with NXT. They're flipping over, checking it out, and going right back to AEW. AEW has the stars. AEW feels like the must see show, at least for now. That might wear off when it's when the newness wears off. But if they keep having shows like they had this week, that's I don't see that happening. So the only thing NXT can do is counter with stars. Which Rich, what did we say a month ago? The end result stars. Of the, yeah, Roman Reigns will be coming yeah. out there and yes. will be fucking the around and stuff. Yeah. So if they now here's the thing. If they care about rebuilding this audience and challenging and taking more of AEW's market share. Okay, I don't even know if they care necessarily so much about beating them as taking some of their market share. Right, right, right. And I was going to talk. I was going to ask you about that too. So I'm glad you're bringing it up right now. Is how much is it even worth <laughs> to really counteract this and really work towards it? So you don't want to hurt. First of all, you don't want to hurt SmackDown at all. SmackDown is the one that matters the most, and it's not even close. Okay, but you don't want to hurt Raw and SmackDown just to prop up NXT so that they can beat AEW by fifty thousand viewers. I mean, it, that's just fucking patting yourself on the back. It doesn't mean any. In the big picture, it's dumb. So the question becomes, how badly do you want to stop this bleeding, okay, and get a second contract from USA? Because remember, aren't they making $50 million for this show? So there's that factor of it too, okay? You're going to want to get this thing – I don't even remember how many years it is or whatnot. But how badly do you want to stop this bleeding? Because they could attempt to curtail – they've got plenty of star power on their end where they can load up this show with your undertaker. I did it facetiously last week behind the paywall. You can bring in your Undertakers and your John Cena's and your fucking whoever the fucks, okay, Roman Reigns, and 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 really try to turn this into a war. I don't know how interested they are in that. I could tell you that this week they weren't interested, but I could also tell you this: 
the public has spoken. They see the AEW roster as stars, and they do not see the NXT roster as stars. And part of that is overcoming the stigma that you have presented this as your minor leagues for the last five years. So you created this, okay? You didn't see this coming where it would have to compete with a competitor. But you were the ones that were arrogant that thought you could compete with this with your minor leaguers. Now you have to break that stigma that they're not major league quality, okay? And you have to find a way to get these people over on NXT as major stars. One thing that has surprised me that has probably surprised everyone is I think all of us probably overestimated how many people were watching this show on the network. Yeah, that, that's a possibility for sure. Um, yeah, I, I think that is a huge part of it. And, you know, I, I the really though, and, and, and I, I really hadn't given a lot of thought to what you were saying too in terms of like it being developmental, it being the minor leagues. I mean, that is a huge stigma that you're going to have to change. And, and the only way to get around that is like, it becomes a third brand, which again, we said months ago, that was probably what's going to happen, but oh man, that's, that's really, cause now you're taking from the others, you know, and you, know you got a fucking billion dollar contract on Fox. Like yeah. you can't be taking guys from Fox or, unless you want to tell Roman Reigns, Hey, by the way, now you got to do double duty. You got to show up live for NXT every week. Oh, and then also whatever we are for SmackDown, you got to fly. Like that's going to get a little untenable at some point too. It's like, I, if I'm at the that table and I'm thinking about this, I wonder, fuck, what did we do? Like, what position do we put ourselves in? Where we're at right now is either we have to pull resources away because there's nobody in NXT right now that I think is really, like, going to be a game changer. There's nobody that's sitting on that roster or, or doing a hip toss class in the PC that I think right now I can definitively say, oh, you bring that guy up or you bring that person up, and they're definitely going to turn this thing around. It, it, maybe over time, maybe if you build a character, you build a story. That's how any, you know, wrestling show will grow is if you build characters, you build all that sort of stuff, and and you and, you know, you build organically that way, but are they willing to say, Hey, look, whatever, we're going to lose, get our asses kicked for eight, nine, 10 months or whatever. But man, we got X who's ready to go. And, and when he's ready to go, we'll build them up and we'll do all this sort of stuff. I mean, I have no faith that that is a plan. Like there, WWE is in the business now of short term fixes to cover up holes. And that's what they've done for a while. <laughs> you know, it's to varying degrees of success. And to do that though, you got to poach from the other companies or the other, you know, brands and both those brands, I mean, they, they need to succeed as well. So it's yeah. it's they've really really put so themselves again, in a terrible situation. It, how much does it mean to you? Is what it's going to come down to. Um, you know who's owed an apology? I, I tell you who's owed an apology. And for once, it's not us doing victory laps. <laughs> oh, I was going to say us. <laughs> what are, you know, not that we need it. I mean, we have plenty of them for a show. So yeah, you're right. Oh, let's share the wealth a little bit. So we're always owed apologies because we're almost always right. And let's face, it. but but here's who's owed an apology. Kenny Omega, because he came out and said that he's not worried about NXT because they're his, they would be dark match guys on his show and they would be his opening match jobbers, however he put it. And I thought people made way too big a deal of that at the time. First of all, he was mostly talking in character. Okay. He was being cocky ass, best in the world, Kenny Omega. What do you want him to say? Number two, have a look at the scoreboard. Was he wrong? Who are so the far. real stars here? So far, not. Who are the real stars here? The real stars here are the AEW guys. He wasn't wrong. And everyone, because Kenny Omega, I get it. People don't like him. And because whiny WWE fans got all offended by it and butthurt when he said it, made that such a big deal. And now he's owed an apology because he was right. They are his jabronis because look, the scoreboard doesn't lie. He was right. They aren't the stars. And everyone looked at it from a perspective of, oh, well, NXT has a much better roster and better wrestlers. I don't even disagree. 
I think NXT does have a better roster of wrestlers. Yeah, it's all how you present it. All about presentation. It's all, it's all how you present it, and it, that really wasn't his point. He knew that they had the stars, and he was right. Scoreboard. I mean, you, you can't – there's no denying. The public has spoken. The public has spoken. And Kenny Omega was right. And, you know, people aren't going to want to admit that, but – they're beating the living shit out of them. Okay, 1.14 million this week, down from 1.409 million. Of course, the two big baseball games. Uh, first game ran 20 minutes into the show. The second game, um, you know, covered the rest. So they were down about 250,000 total viewers. NXT 790 as they continue their tumble, down another hundred thousand from last week's 891. But the thing about it is, as I said. I really think we're approaching NXT's floor. I don't think it can go much lower than this. I think it could go a little lower, but they're not getting the channel flip. The channel flippers are all watching AEW. And, and you know, based on what we've seen publicly and privately, it appears to me as though they're down just about to their core base that's not going to go anywhere. The hardcore WWE fan that doesn't care about AEW, isn't interested in AEW, uh, they're going to watch their third WWE show every week, and if they put on a fourth one, they'd watch that one too. That's my feel on it. We're quickly approaching that floor. Anyone who was a potential could go either way kind of viewer, they to me, they all see AEW as the must-see show at this point, which is why I think NXT continues to tumble every week. The the demo numbers, Rich, were another embar- a complete embarrassment for NXT again. And listen, there's no point banging this into the ground every week because I don't think it's going to change. Yeah, until it changes, but, we probably won't get this granular for a while until it flips or switches or, or whatever. But There's some significant change, and I don't see it coming. But the, again, and I'm talking combined. Here's the other thing, too. People are going to see different numbers out there for AEW this week because a lot of places are simply reporting the TNT number. I'm combining the TNT and True TV number. I'm giving you the legitimate total viewers here because remember, they had the simulcast. It doesn't make sense not to count both. Those 122,000 people that watched on True TV watched the show. Right. There weren't people with two TVs, one on True and one on TNT, unless, well, maybe, but you're weird, so don't do that. So the numbers are slightly higher when you factor in the right. people watching on True TV. And AEW and Turner told everybody an hour before the show started, hey, look, baseball might fuck this up. We're going to show the entire show on True TV. You can't tell me that a portion of that 122,000 were people who said, you know what? I'm not fucking around with TNT. I just want to watch the show. Fuck this baseball noise. I'm just going to put on True TV and drop my remote, right? I don't know what portion of that 122,000 did that. Some of that 122,000, without question, are just True TV viewers who left the TV on after fucking Carbonero Effect. <laughs> effect or whatever the fuck. That, what is that show? Or whatever. Yeah. So that's why I said yesterday, assuming the baseball game doesn't interrupt – they're expanding their total. They're going to have slightly higher viewership than they would have otherwise because you're adding in some of those true TV viewers. Okay. It, the number is somewhere between zero and 122,000. Okay. Some of those 122,000 put on true TV just to be safe. The other was audience from true TV that you may or may not get back next week. I mean, some of them may have said, wow, this is great. Where do I watch this every week? But I highly doubt it. It's probably just people who. You know, they leave the TV on as background noise or whatever the fuck. But I'm giving you the combined numbers. The demo, if you look at 
you know, true plus TNT was 0.51 for AEW this week, 0.22 for USA. So once again, they more than doubled the number in the demo. Even if you don't count true TV, just TNT did a 0.46 and still more than doubled NXT. They are so far behind in the demo that it's like not even worth discussing anymore. It's, it's, it's a, once again, it's a bloodbath. It's ugly. And I don't think anyone anticipated it to be this bad. But what we've learned are NXT's demos very much mirror the demos of Raw and SmackDown. And Rich, I don't know about you, I never thought that would be the case. I really thought NXT would skew younger. But it hasn't. It's the same fucking audience. It's just less people. Yeah, that, that's got me super surprised. I, I Each week, and I, I kind of maybe assumed that there was a one-week thing where all the young fans decided, all right, let's check out this AEW thing. Maybe, I, you know, I, I, like, it's just, it's so weird because, yeah, I would have not thought that there'd be some 55-year-old dude sitting down and going, ah, yeah, Keith Lee, I can't wait to see what happens here because it's like, why are you watching this? It's just, it's not really even meant for you. It's not designed for you either. And I guess that's, that's a, a another big issue with WWE television in general is in, and maybe a big reason why, you know, the ratings are where they are is that like, it, it, it is in no way. And we talked about this a little bit last week. It is in no way designed for 55 year old dudes. You know what I mean? Like it is not that at all. That TV show raw and SmackDown is not that whatsoever yet. Those are the people watching, you, you know, and NXT, especially, I am I, I I remain stunned every single week when I see those demos come out and I go really like that's the audience that's the audience for NXT on USA and 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 like you said maybe now we have a little bit more insight that that audience is just your your you have your 55 year old dude that's just a hardcore WWE fan and he doesn't even know other wrestling exists he doesn't even care that other wrestling exists he just wants to watch his WWE programming every single week he wants to watch wrestling there's a guy in my work who always says hey do you watch wrestling. And he, when yeah. he says wrestling, he means WWE. And I try to talk about AEW, and he goes, "Ah, no, I, I watch w, I watch wrestling." And I was like, "Okay, all right, whatever." He like that's right. all he does. He watches wrestling, and he watches every fucking week, every single show that WWE puts out. That's their audience is yep. that guy. But yep, even NXT, like I, I it, it 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 blows my mind that that's that fan base for NXT. I I really would have thought those demos would have switched, flipped, did something, and it, it's staring because NXT is not at all made for that audience whatsoever. It is a young person's show. You got Marvel now screaming out like hip hop references the whole time. You got a bunch of young wrestlers and all this sort of like the whole concept of it should be for younger fans and they're just not watching. And that is the more staggering this? thing. If you transport the exact same NXT show that we saw last night, but put it in AEW packaging, you think it does better? Certainly. Yep. The problem here. Is I think younger people, uh, smarky type fans that are listening to us right now, they would love to watch all these wrestlers in NXT, but they would greatly prefer to watch them in a non-WWE environment. NXT has the WWE stink. And, you know, I don't, again, I don't know how they overcome that because before, you know, because three weeks ago, before all this started, I felt it was different enough to where those people were going to watch. You know? But what I've learned, what has really been eye-opening to me is people see it as the same old shit mm-hmm. in, in just a yellow packaging. And that has been one of the genuine surprises to me of this entire thing. Um, once again, the only demo they won was over 50. Yeah. They had a 0. 0.5 to AEW's 0. 0.4. It, it actually- somehow they grew despite the two baseball games in the over 50. 
Right. Figure that one out. Yeah, that's that's nuts. And and one thing I did want to mention, and, and you brought up kind of in your last point as well. And again, this is just one person. This is just me watching it with one person or whatever. Uh, but but you know, sitting down with the nurse who who really doesn't watch much WWE with me anymore. Like if I'm watching a pay per view, she goes in the other room or just does something else or whatever. She used to watch a little bit more with me, but but she really doesn't anymore at this point. But what, what was remarkable is I turned that show on, and she said, you know, like I said, she was like, oh god, we have to watch wrestling, and I was like, yeah, yeah, thirty minutes, and it's over, and then we'll do whatever you want to do or whatever. But what was remarkable is is and and she doesn't listen to this show. She doesn't watch the shows with me. She doesn't read my tweets, so she doesn't know what I say about the show and what I complain about. But a lot of the things that she brought up immediately when she watched AEW was was again like I was like, what? What? Really? You think that? Like you really do? She said, "Wow, this is way easier to watch because there's not a bunch of bright lights everywhere and the crowd's not all soaked in red." And I'm like, "Do you listen?" She doesn't. Li- I know for a fact the show. She does not want to listen right, to this fucking right, show. Right. But it's exactly the same thing you and I talk about all the time. You especially say how annoyed you are that it's just fucking red everywhere. It's blue and it's red. And there's shining lights and there's all this sort of shit. So that's like, she's like, "Oh, this is kind of easy to watch now. Like the colors are a lot easier." And I'm like, oh, "Okay, yeah, that's that's interesting because that's something we bring up a lot. So that's that's okay." And then a match started happening, and and Sammy Guevara was in the ring, and he did something. I forget what it was, some sort of flippy do or something or, or like that. And she goes. Wow, that's awesome. If we, this is a WWE show, they would have cut like four times. You wouldn't even be able to see that move. Again, <laughs> this is not yeah. somebody who watches, but watches yeah. enough to know that that sort of shit annoys her. And she mentions the annou- announcer. She said, oh, is that Jim Ross? And I went, yeah. She goes, oh, that's cool. It feels like the WWE announcers are always like yelling and screaming and it's annoying. Again, like that's not, I, she doesn't listen to this. She doesn't care what I think about wrestling. Like the last thing she wants to do is listen to me and you talk for fucking three hours about wrestling every week. But these are things that she brought up immediately. And then she was just overtaken by Jericho. You know, she loved the Jericho promo. She liked the idea of like the guys that were running in. She thought Darby Allen was cool. She thought Sammy Guevara was cool. So there was all these people and she goes, this is really cool. Like you always watch that NXT shit, and I I, I don't like NXT. It's stupid. I, I I think it's lame, and it was just like it was kind of eye opening because a lot of the stuff that we bring up that I think is just weird. You and I caring about stuff way too much complaints are exactly the same com- complaints that she has, and she's not a regular viewer. So I always wonder how many people are out there saying, yeah, it's fucking annoying that you guys cut all the time. Yeah, it's fucking annoying you just throw out a bunch of catchphrases and you're always screaming at me with this this bullshit. Yeah, it's kind of annoying that like these cameras cut every two seconds and we can't see any move or whatever. It, it, like, how many other people think the way that she thinks? That, you know, like there might be more than we can really think. And, and that's that's what you say. Like NXT, no matter what we might th- you and I might think and we, you know, the people listening to the show might think there might be a larger audience that watches it and goes, yeah, it's just WWE and it's a little darker and there's some new people and, and, and flip off and then don't go back. That is the, that, that's the, yeah, that's the, been the revelation for me. NXT is a lot of the, uh, is a lot more of the same than we really realized. And I think that that's been the big eye opener. It's the same old shit in a yellow package. And a lot of people see it that way. Um, and I and I never would have. I was wrong about that. I always thought that NXT was capturing the fans that AEW is now capturing, and they haven't. It, it's it shows me that they haven't been, and they're not. Because again, that big drop from week one to week two, you know, it didn't it didn't hold any of the people who tried it week one, which I assume were mostly, you know, hardcore WWE fans who weren't paying any attention to NXT. You know, your Sasha Banks avatar types. You know, it's like. I think they tried NXT week one and it's the data says they didn't come back week two. And now that there's a competitor week three moving forward, that's cut into them even more to where I believe they're quickly approaching their base. I don't think it can get much lower than this. 
what was it, 500,000 people that watched the one-off a couple of years ago? Right. I mean, that's probably somewhere near the base of the league, you know, with no promotion, you know, just throwing it on there as a test or experiment. You know, that might be somewhere where they're between 500,000 and whatever they did this week. I don't think it would ever go lower than that because you're going to have at least 500,000 people who are going to watch anything that that company – they're going to consume anything the company produces because they're just fanatics. You know what I mean? So it's like – and we're in that group I guess because we're watching it every week. But yeah, that's been the real eye-opener for me. So I don't know how they, they fix this or even what – how geared up they are to fix it. Look – they're presenting great lineups every week with matches that look appealing on paper and matches that are delivering. Drew Gulak versus Leo Rush delivered. Yeah, it's really good. You know, um, Kushida versus Walter delivered. I know you had some nitpicks about it that I saw you tweet that I hadn't even considered, but then when you said them, I agreed. So thanks, you ruined the match for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> did, oh, did I spoil uh, it before you'd watched it or, or was it? No, 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 you, you – no, no, no. Like you, your thoughts on the match made me think. And I was like, I agree with Rich. He just ruined the match for me. The the whole idea that Walter shouldn't be squeaking by. No, the, the, Maros, the, the one, two, three happens. Walter beats Kushida and, 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 and Maro says, Walter survives. And I was yeah. just like, no, <laughs> no. Yeah. Walter never survives. You survive because Walter's, a, you know, no, Kushida survives. Yeah. <laughs> David Starr survives. Jordan Devlin survives. Walter doesn't survive. No, 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 no. Don't right. sign Walter if he's just going to survive. You don't yeah, bring but, in that dude, that fucking giant Austrian man with his bear claws and have him survive. And it's nothing boss. with Kushida. Nothing with Kushida at all. I saw a lot of people. And, and by the way, I love the match. I thought it was a tremendous match. Yeah, I thought it was a very good match. Yeah. In a vacuum. Great match. It's until you really start thinking about it. And you go, wait a minute. This match could have been, it could have been any two guys. It could have been any two guys on this roster that just had a great match. But the idea that it, it is Walter and you have him survive against Kushida. Like, I, I just, I can't. And it's nothing against Kushida at all. It's nothing against Kushida. I have people ring up, well, you know, you know, against, you know, Devlin, Walter, you know, sold a lot. And against Star, you know, Walter sold a lot. Yeah, that's like two years into a feud that these guys had. Right. This right, is like right. a two week build for Kushida versus Walter. And it's, you know, it's, it, no offense, but it's Kushida and NXT. It's not really necessarily like the ace of, of a promotion or whatever. Yeah, I can buy in to Devlin pouring everything he has to finally try to beat Walter or David Starr doing everything he can to finally beat Walter or whatever. Those are, are, are well told stories over years. Yeah, after, after, <laughs> after a half a dozen tries or more, they start to figure it out. That's <laughs> <Right>. the story. <laughs> That's the story. Yeah. Not like right out of the gates, Kushida's 50 50 with Walter. It's like, then don't don't bring in Walter. Like that's what's special about Walter. He is a yeah. once in a lifetime guy that is in that company right now. And, and final and, boss, and the final boss, and he is one of those guys. When, when I mentioned there, there's, there, I don't know that there's anybody on this roster that could be an actual difference maker. He is maybe one of them that I think that if they build him up right and they do the right thing with him, he is a guy that that, that can be that because we've seen that across the country and across the world that he's been able to be that sort of guy and and, and be a top draw and be a guy that can really build up a company around and and, and build a hot baby face that's trying to beat him and trying to beat him and trying to beat him and then eventually when they beat him, it's just this outpouring of emotion. It's such a big moment, and now you have this like where he's just going 50 50 with Kushida and it's like again nothing against Kushida at all but it's Walter should never survive Walter shouldn't outlive somebody or outlast somebody that's no that's not what's special about Walter you don't don't sign Walter to have him outlast his opponent yeah it's it's like it's, it's shit I agree with you it's almost like they corrected their Samoa Joe mistake 
by signing someone who's very similar but in his prime. Whereas they waited too long to sign Samoa Joe and they got a broken version that has all of the aura and the and the and the and the promo ability but just can't do it physically anymore. Well, this guy's the same kind of character except he's in his prime and he's and he's and he's and he's at his hottest right now. I mean, they essentially have 2005 Samoa Joe instead of 2016 or whatever year it was that they right. signed him, right? And, but they 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 don't understand what the what makes the what makes him special, which is what you're saying. They have the the aesthetic down. They're just ripping off Ring Kampf when they do Imperium, and they have the same music and he has the same look. It's like, but they've they've managed to not get what he is though. And 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 you're right about that. At least with this match, and and, and you made that tweet, and I thought about it, and I was like, Rich is right. He he's right about what was wrong with this match. And I, I just watched it as a match in a vacuum. And thanks to you, you have now ruined it. So thank you very much. <laughs> for- it was really good. Like you, it shouldn't ruin it, but yeah, it is again. Like I said, anybody on that roster could have had that match. Like, but you don't bring in Walter yeah. to just be another guy on the roster. Yeah. yeah or maybe yeah. you do, or you do. And that's shit. You shouldn't do that. then. <laughs> well, and then he'll never be the star that he could be. And you're going to get beat by more than double in the demo every week. I mean, you know, so it's like, uh, you know, it's like maybe the differences between NXT and the other brands weren't as profound as we thought they were. And and I know it's different people involved, but, um, you know, maybe people are going, wow, this brand that we thought was the cool, vibrant brand, it's just it's it, it, it's 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 just a corporate, you know, version of what they think is a cool, vibrant brand, whereas this other thing has shown us that. Because this is something that's cool and new and vibrant and exciting. But man, it's AEW is not just beating them in the ratings. They've really changed the perception of NXT. And that's been a real eye-opener. I, I, I did not think that would be the case. Um, what did you think of Gulak Leo Rush quickly before we do some uh, other time? I liked it a lot. Yeah, it was a really, really good match. Uh, I like the idea of moving to Leo Rush as well. I think he's a little bit more of a dynamic uh, champion, particularly if that Title, which I, I think is that official now that it's the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. It's the NXT Cruiserweight okay, Championship. So that that is now officially official. So um, and I yeah. can tell you this too. I can tell you this too quickly. I just saw the draft lists for the draft because they're doing half of the roster on SmackDown, and then the other half of the roster is eligible to be drafted on Raw. Okay, so they're splitting the draft into two shows, and they've split up the entire roster. Okay, not a single two hundred five live wrestler is, is eligible for the draft. So again, that tells you that 205 live guys are just being folded into NXT. Right. So w- with that being the case, I think a guy like a Leo Rush and, and 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 putting more of those kind of high flying 205 live guys are probably the better call than putting a guy like a Drew Gulak. And there's nothing against Gulak. I've liked his run. I think he's been pretty fun uh, as champion. But yeah, I think Leo Rush is probably the better champion. And I thought it was a a really really good match. Like there were some points that that kind of dragged at times. But ultimately, though, I think it was it was the right decision, and 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 yeah, ultimately, just a, a really good match and a, a great opener for NXT. Again, similar to AEW, NXT started out really good and ended really good, and there was some shit in between. But similar to AEW, but it's just even with that said, it was like night and day that AEW was. I, I thought the better show this week, but uh, no, I enjoyed. I enjoyed NXT this week, and 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 yeah, that match in particular was really good. Definitely of the things to watch this week. Absolutely watch Kushida and Walter. Despite my complaining about it, still a tremendous match. Uh, Russian Gulak, absolutely got to watch. And then as far as the AEW show, I think you got to watch the opener. Um, the women's tag, I think you could probably skip. 
Uh, the Darby Jimmy Havoc, I think, was pretty solid. And then the main event, I think you actually have to watch. And then Mox and Spears. Uh, we, we can get to that another time if we want to about the, the Sean Spears thing. But, uh, yeah, I don't uh, – it's not clicking think, with me so far. Okay. So I think with Sean Spears, you just have to readjust what your expectation of what Right. I thought he was going to be a star. He hit that chair on Cody, and Cody's busted open. And I'm like, fuck, they got yeah. a star. But he's just a good hand. And that's fine. He's like, just a guy. He's just that's a guy. okay. But he's a mid, he's a mid card guy on the roster, right. and I saw the complaints both yours and other people's because you were hardly alone. I don't want to see Spears on my TV anymore. I think it's because people are still disappointed that he isn't this star that we thought he'd be. I approach that match as he's just a mid card guy who's obviously losing to Moxley, and as a mid card guy that's going to be on TV every third week. Uh, he does, he's not offensive to me. Right. Oh, he's yeah, for sure. For no, no, no. It's, it's, and it's I, all and about I me and how Twitter. I think about him. Yes. Really. Yeah. It, 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 that's what I mean. It's recalibrating your expectations for the guy. Um, much like Adam Page, that's one of the things they've done that hasn't worked. You know what I mean? And it's like – now, Tully Blanchard I love. And, you know, he took some bumps. I think he's he's got, you know, a good presence and with the history and everything. And I'm watching this and I'm thinking – Maybe they need to move Tully to a more important act. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking Tully is too good to be wasting on this dork right now. You know, Tully is – especially if you don't have high hopes and if you think Spears is just going to be a dude that's just like on the roster losing, then that's a tremendous waste of Tully Blanchard who who who's a great asset to somebody. I don't know who right now. There's not like a guy that really jumps off to me, but there's somebody on that roster that could benefit a lot more with Tully Blanchard than, than, than I think Spears could at this point. And who knows? Maybe they have some ideas for Spears and – he can at least be an interesting mid-card guy. You know what I mean? Because you need you – need, listen, you need your stars. You need your upper mid-carders. You have to have a structure, and you have to have everyone at every level. You need your mid-carders. You need your lo- – like Jimmy Havoc, another guy that a lot of people complain about. If Jimmy Havoc is going to be a mid-carder who wrestles twice a month on TV, every other pay-per-view, does a plunder match a couple times a year, I don't have a problem with Jimmy Havoc. My problem with Jimmy Havoc will be if they try to push him, and I don't think that they will. But if Jimmy Havoc is there to, you know, exchange staple, uh, you know, staples with Joey Janela twice a year, I don't have a problem with Jimmy Havoc. You know, and I won't have a problem with Sean Spears if he's just a nice little mid-carder. But he has not shown enough charisma to be a star, that's for sure. You're not you're, – you're definitely not wrong. Yeah, and the, and the in-ring hasn't really done much for me either. He, he feels yeah. very much like a WWE performance center in-ring dude, and it's just like, ooh, yeah. Like he's just not hitting the you, – you just know it. You see it. You see Mox – a guy who, who was ready to break out of that system and, and, and willing to kind of change his game and change everything he's about. And every note he's hitting is just like, boom, boom, boom. And then Spears is just having wrestling matches. And it's like, nah, not clicking, man. It's Rich, just not working. How, so. how awesome was Mox in that match? Oh, my God. Him. He was so good. I, I, I tweeted out at the time, too. Like, there's nobody cooler than John Mox. His music hits. He storms outside of the ring. He gets in your face. I'm just like, fuck, yeah. Mox is so great. God, yeah, he's great. He pops off your screen. The energy he brings to things and, you know, people probably get tired of this stuff, but my wife was in the room when that match was on and I was trying to explain to her that this wasn't WWE or whatever and what what we were – what it is we were watching because she noticed it was different. She's like, this isn't – and I'm like, no, 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 no. This is like a different company and I gave her the Cliff Notes version and I explained that the guy wrestling now is actually considered a very big star because he left WWE and came here on his own you know, by choice. And she correctly, she was like, Oh, you mean the guy in the shorter pants, right? Like 
And this is what you're talking And this is someone who never watched wrestling in her life. I mean, you know, she's way behind where your wife is with this shit. So this is what you're talking about. Even people like off the street are more perceptive than we think. You know what I mean? She was like, oh, you know, the guy with the shorter pen, the, the, you know, she also threw in the better looking guy, but I don't want to put Moxley over, you know, because my wife probably wants to bang him. But you get the idea here. You know what I mean? And I, live I, in, like, I yeah. live in a household that's very pro uh, having sex with John Moxley, too, so don't worry. Yeah. So, I mean, but she immediately identified which one was the bigger deal. First time laying eyes on either man, and it took her 45 seconds. So what more do we need to say about, you know, Spears and Moxley? It's, it's you know, you're dead on. All right, let's get to some other stuff here this week. We got plenty to cover, Joe. Where do you want to go? We got NWA, we got New Japan King of Pro Wrestling, we have Hell in a Cell. <laughs> uh, I do, mean, do we have to? <laughs> we could do Power. Let's do I Power. Mean, Come on, I want some. We got good vibes going right now. Let's let's talk about yeah, power. Let's do power. Where do we start? Well, I thought it was a tremendous show. People that didn't watch, uh, quick little notes here. This is NWA Power, of course, the new NWA, uh, NWA weekly show showing at 6.05 on uh, Tuesdays. So uh, as of this writing, NWA Power, 270,000 views uh, on their YouTube channel. Uh, their YouTube channel gained about twelve to 14,000 subscribers. Different sites have different sort of numbers there, but that's a range we have right there. Uh, on Facebook, 82,000 views uh, for the episode one. So um we know, and 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 God, you got to imagine from those numbers as well. Like you, you could have just assumed that too. But uh, this is a tremendous success for NWA out of the gates, getting these numbers, adding those subscribers, and yeah, it's not even talking about the quality of the show, which we will in a bit. But yeah, overall, like the success of the show, I mean, yeah, tremendous success out of the gates. Rich, I mean, two years ago they were putting matches on Periscope and getting three hundred people to watch. I mean, this this exceeded not just our expectations, but their expectations as well. They were blown away by the response it got by, by how many people checked this thing out. Um, I, I'm blown away by this. This was a stunning amount of people watching live. I think there were 15,000 people watching live at one point. Um, they're basically, they're beating MLW with the exception of MLW's uh, biggest shows. Now, of course, you know, there's a slight disclaimer there. MLW also airs on BN, So a lot of people are consuming mlw in another way but it just to give you know a little more added perspective um you know and and they they basically fifteen thousand people watching it live that crushes what impact is doing on twitch on a week in week out basis uh just for more added perspective and then the people that did watch rich i don't think i saw a single negative review for this show everyone who watched it came away pleased with it. Right, I saw a few, but they were just bad faith actors for the most part. Like, it was people that was like, okay, no, the stuff that you're complaining about, you were going to complain about regardless of what the show was. But anybody that gave it an objective view, yeah, anybody that gave it an objective view all thought it was fucking tremendous. What I saw, see, I didn't see any of that, but I'll tell you what I did see. I saw a lot of people who wanted not to like it, and it won them over. Right. Like, a lot of people turned it on because they wanted to riff on it, right? And who can blame them? Right, so they wanted to turn it on and riff on it and, and fucking hate watch it and fucking shit on it and do the Twitter thing and have some fun. And and I saw multiple people who like were converted even though they, they intended not to like it. So yeah, I mean, you know we'll say ninety nine percent positive reviews, save the few that Rich saw. And um, you know, most of I haven't seen a bad review on like a site, like a professional review. Yeah, I no, haven't seen any negative reviews. And I think it – here's what it is. 
it was the best possible version of what we thought it would be. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Like we thought it would be exactly what it is, but I didn't even think it would be that good a version of what it is. It was a near perfect version of what it was setting out to be. Yeah, so the thing that I liked about it, and, and by the way, if you go to voicewrestling.com, I wrote uh, an article uh, about uh, this debut episode just talking about studio wrestling coming back and, and, and what I enjoyed about it and, 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 and whatnot. So if you want kind of expanded thoughts on it. But um, I, I mentioned in the article, too, it was the one thing I would say is that if you just jumped into the show and had no idea what you were watching, it'd be startling because it's like it is 1985 melted down. To a 2019, you know, production in in every sense of the word. I mean, there are exposed cameras that you see all over the arena. It's in a small, tight little studio setting and whatnot. And and these are not like I like this shit. Like I think these are positives. But I get how like somebody, if you watched only WWE and you turn this on, you'd be like, "What in the fuck is this? Like this is jarring." But in a good way because it was so. It, it showed you how great those old studio wrestling shows were. It showed you how great 605... And, like, I, I, it always sucks because I wasn't able to watch that stuff live. I wasn't able to watch it in the moment. But I've gone back and watched all that stuff and been really jealous of, like, I just love the idea of wrestlers come out of the curtain, they go to a table, they cut a promo in front of the crowd, they walk two steps, and then they're in the ring, and they walk out of the ring, and then they're back at a promo table cutting promos. The crowd's right there. It's everybody is in a, it's a communal aspect. Everybody is in this together. The wrestlers are right next to the fans. The announcers are right next to the wrestlers. The fans are right there and like everything is right there it's all compact and, and and tight and and this especially and it got me from like a production standpoint too like little geeky stuff in terms of like the camera angles that they used like it's obvious that the people in charge of nwa were studying those old 605 because the camera angles were the same they yeah. even at sometimes i could tell that like a camera angle was kind of fucked up but it was fucked up on purpose like there was the, the most vivid thing that i remember is when nick aldis was cutting his promo and you notice that uh, I believe it was Joe Galli uh, that was. It might have been Marquez. I forget if it was Galli or, or Marquez. Actually, it was Marquez. And, and like Marquez is kind of cut out of the frame, but that would happen all the time on six hundred five because they like couldn't get the camera far back enough, or like they couldn't right. exactly do that. And I'm sure that if they wanted to, they could have said, "Ah, oh, fuck that can't that shot looks like shit." Guys, back it up. Like let's redo that or whatever. But there's a charm to like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, it fucked up. Who cares? You know, like it's a studio yeah. show. It's happening live. Like we can't control how everything's going to go. And there'd be times where like there was a brawl going on and like you'd see cameramen scurrying around like that would never. I mean, WWE hates that. WWE hates when you see camera and you see things scurry. But here they embraced it and they said, yeah, let's do it at wrestling. That happens sometimes. And that would happen with 605, you know, uh, TV shows. You would see like there was one point where they were wrestling and you saw like the end of the curtains and a little bit of like the studio set or like the, you know, the, the, the sound stage in the background. And like, again, any other company would have freaked out about that. But I feel like NWA kind of embraced that and said no you know what that's part of it that's part of the charm that's part of what it is and you know they they would cut like there was a certain time too i think during the josephus james storm thing where they cut to a camera that was like obscured by the ring and it was like not a very good camera shot but again that would happen all the time on the old you know world championship wrestling the old 605 stuff so it's like everything they did there was like the lack of polish like the polish and i said this in the article too the polish was in the lack of polish in that stuff just kind of happened. Things just sort of went the way they did. And it's like, go with it. You know what I mean? Like, don't worry about it. Like, that's how it's going to be. It doesn't always have to be this forced. Everything has to be exactly the way we want it. And everybody has to stand in the right place. And there can't be shadows. And there can't be any cameraman visible. And there can't just be, like, anything. Like, it was just like, yeah, you know what? If it happens, it happens. It's a studio wrestling show. Anything can happen. And I really enjoyed that aspect of it. And, and, and you know, w- one thing I mentioned, too, and then I'll kind of let you g- give your thoughts on this, too. 
The commentary I thought was tremendous. I mean, Jim Cornette, you've put him over many, many times in your Thursday ATA reviews. One of the best com- – whatever you think of Jim Cornette, wherever. We don't know because he blocked us on Twitter years ago. So, like, clearly he doesn't like us. But, you know, I don't, I don't give a shit about his Twitter stuff. All I know is that when he gets in front of a mic and, 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 and commentates on pro wrestling, you feel the passion. You feel the expertise. You feel all that sort of stuff. And what I loved even more than Jim Cornette was Joe Galley because Joe, he is just a news reporter that's in this wild world of wrestling. And I love that. I love the old Dave Brown thing. I love the old Bob Cottle thing where it's like, I was doing the weather and now I'm doing this wrestling thing. And what the fuck? <laughs> like, what am I in? Like, I'm a professional, so I'm going to do my job. But like, wow, this world's crazy. And that's what Galley was. Galley is like a news reporter. Like, by trade, he's not a wrestling announcer. He's a news reporter. And I love that aspect that they found a guy like that. It would have been real easy to find two wrestling announcers and have him do wrestling commentary. But Joe Galley is sort of the, the straight man who's in this wild world of wrestling. And Jim Cornette's the guy that's kind of like, well, yeah, this is what's going on. And it reminds me a lot of, of again, those old territory stuff. Like, I remember all the time watching old Mid-South. And you got, you know, your, your, your newsman and you got Bill Watts being like, well, yeah, that's what happens around here in you know, Mid-South or whatever. And, like, the news guy's just like, what the fuck? This is wild. And, and like, you know, the, the wrestling guy knows it and knows it's wild and can kind of, you know, fill in the gaps there. But then the news guy is just like, right, this is ridiculous. I can't believe this is going on. And I love that aspect. Just the attention to detail on the show was tremendous. And that's not even counting what happened in the ring and, and in the promos and all that sort of stuff, which I know you want to talk about a little bit. Yeah, you're talking about, like, Dave Brown, Corey Macklin, Ed Whalen up in yeah, Calgary. right. Just like news guys that got shoved into this wrestling thing and then it made it their thing. Like, you know, Dave Brown probably wasn't going to be a wrestling guy and then he became a wrestling guy. And now he's synonymous with pro wrestling. And, and he was a weather guy still, I think, until until his death, right? Wasn't he still doing news broadcasts? Yeah. Uh, I, oh, is he not? Okay, I'm sorry if I killed Dave Brown. <laughs> Maybe he's not. Well, you can look it up when I'm talking. I, I think one of them is alive. I think Ed Whale, not Ed Whalen, um, Corey Macklin. Might, Corey Macklin, okay, that, yeah, Dave Brown is still alive. Sorry for killing Dave Brown. He's, yeah, Dave Brown, Corey Macklin though. might be dead. Corey Macklin is, yeah, there we go. That's where I mixed up there. Sorry. And obviously, um, um, obviously, um, why is it slipping my mind? Most famous wrestling now. Uh, obviously, Lance Russell passed away as well. Right, right, of course, yeah. Because we're talking about Memphis here, and I, I, I'd be stunned if Ed Whalen is alive. He's uh, Ed Whalen died in two thousand one, so yeah, not yeah, that. yeah. He was he was old, even you know he was really old, even when Calgary was um, peaking. But uh, yeah, so look, is there some nostalgia appeal to this? I think that's obvious. Clearly, there's some nostalgia appeal. Clearly, it's so different. I hate to use the word gimmicky, but there's some gimmicky appeal to it as well. That's not what's going to hold people. It's going to get people in the door, and people are going to react the way they did this week. They're going to say, "This, oh, this is just a throwback. It's nostalgic. It's got. It's so different. That's a great way to get people in the door. That can't sustain them. What's going to sustain them, if it does sustain, and if in six weeks people are still interested in this, or whether they fade away, is the stories. This is going to be totally reliant on the promos and the stories that they tell. The matches are all going to be short, like you saw this week. I mean, go watch an episode of 605 on your little network, and that's what this is. You're going to get 30-second squashes. You're going to get two-minute squashes. You're going to get, when a guy like Caleb Conley is in there and he's a little bit slotted a little higher, you might get a four-minute match like you had versus uh, Eli Drake. And then every now and then you're going to get a main event. And that one's going to get some time. But the matches are going to be short. They're not going to even be attempting to go out there and fill your notebook. Get that out of your mind. That's not what this is ever going to be. And it shouldn't be. 
they needed to be different. And one thing I heard Billy Corgan say, and I'm going to paraphrase him, is he, and I know I'm going to botch it, but he basically said, if we try to be like everybody else, everyone's going to see that we're not like everybody else. Right. So, so why do that? Be our own thing. Understand what our lane is and own that lane. And they couldn't have knocked it out of the park better than they did with this first episode. Right, if they tried to put together a roster of great wrestlers, like, there's nobody else. Like, who, like you know what I mean? Like, you yeah. couldn't get 20 guys that are going to match up with AEW, NXT, anywhere, New Japan, anywhere. There's no way. If you are a, a startup company and you're going to be, hey, we're going to be the great in-ring company, forget it. <laughs> like, they're all gone. Like, most of them are gone. There's still some good guys out there, but you're not making a roster of great. And, and no matter what you do, you're not going to match the in-ring of what we're seeing weekly on, on NXT, AEW, hell, even Raw and, and SmackDown, New Japan. All, there, there's too many oh. out there. there you're you're going to lose your ass. And MLW even. You're going to lose your ass to that. Yeah. And, and, and even if you and, – and forget that. Even if you just try to be glossy, big budget production, you're not going to match what's out there. I mean, so it, it, they they've decided to just hone in on tradition, okay? And man, did they nail the aesthetic! And it's a little cosplayy, I guess, but I'm okay with that because there's a charm to it. Rich, when that match graphic came up for the first time, I swear to God, I popped the fucking boner. That is so oh, I loved it yeah that is so my shit when that match graphic popped up I felt like I was nine years old waking up on Saturday morning watching TBS again I I, I just this one hour of, of of NWA the best way I could describe it is I watched the entire thing with a smile on my face you know what I mean and it's like I don't watch it the same way I watch AEW. I don't watch it the same way I watch New Japan. I even watch it differently. I'm watching it to see great promos. And how about that crowd? How great was that oh crowd? Oh, my God. Yeah, I was I was kind of worried about that. I was like, ooh, like well, a lot of what they're going to do is going to be dependent on the crowd, like cheering the yep. guys they want to cheer and hollering when guys come out or whatever. And I don't know what they did. I don't know what money they slipped into those pockets or whatever or if the crowd was ready for it. But, yeah, like – the guy would come out through the curtain and you get the woo, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like for every yeah. guy. And that's like classic old school. Like they would just, the guy would come out and he would be like, yeah, that guy's out, or oh, boo, that guy's out, or whatever. And they played, that crowd was exceptional. And, and popping show. and popping during the promos when the promos would hit certain peaks. Like it, it was just, it was, it was so beautiful to watch this show. It's just, and, and the thing is, I think that it's so different that just to com- compare it to, say, MLW. Right, I could easily see people burning out on MLW because it's similar enough to everything else, but it's just an extra hour. This is so different than everything else; it'll be harder to get burnt out. To get burnt out, it feels on like it a totally out. different medium. It doesn't feel like yes. you're watching the same thing anymore. It's so different, but again, in order to hold people, they're going to have to continue to put out compelling personalities and tell compelling stories, and. Listen, they're behind the eight ball, like you said. It's like every, it's an era where everyone is signed, so they really need to find guys who fit their niche. Rich, if you can't cut a promo, you are not going to survive in this. Promotion. Oh God, no, Jesus! These promos were great, and and yeah, it's it's a talking promotion. Like you got to talk yourself yep. into that building and into that that ring for sure. You can't be a, a a guy that goes out there and doesn't talk. You're you're gonna die in this company. And can I tell you something? I have buried Nick Aldis. On this show, I have buried Nick Aldis to Dave Lagana privately. 
<laughs> okay, which I mean, you know, I and and, and like you have not. Well, been I've done it publicly. You've done it publicly. You've done it publicly, privately. I've done it when Nick Aldis is fucking twenty five feet away from me. <laughs> right, doing a podcast in a in a fucking hotel ballroom, talking to Dave Lagana. You've buried Nick Aldis. So we are not Nick Aldis. Fucking, we have been very cold on Nick Aldis. Let me tell you something. Okay, I have never Nick, Nick. I've never been more on board with Nick Aldis than after I watched this. I'm starting to get what they see in Nick Aldis. I'm not saying I'm fully on board. But that Nick Aldis promo to open the show, when Nick Aldis said, I'm the real world's champion, Rich, I fucking believed him. Okay? That promo was so good. Yeah. Oh, what I love, too, is he's wearing, wearing a perfect suit, like a perfectly tailored suit, and he talks about his Jaguar that he's got out there. He's not some fucking champion that's begging for his job and hoping that the McMahons don't fire him, and he's not crying about his, his, his you know strip mall going bankrupt. He's a fucking champion with a great suit, a babe, and a Jaguar sitting out in the parking lot. It's like, yes, yeah. like, there you go. And we've always said the one strength is he looks great in a suit. Yes, I mean, he does. I mean, I could wear God, a suit. I, w- I wish I looked that good in a suit. My God. But it's like he, he really won me over with the promo – and I was like, you know what? I get it now. You know, he's never going to have a fucking five-star match, but he's never going to be asked to here either, you know? And everyone who hit that podium, including that tag team that I never saw in my life, how great were those guys? I mean, with the promo. I, I saw those guys, and I'm like, eh, they kind of look shindy. Then they cut the promo, and it's like, I get it. They're, the ideas are just two big, dirty brawlers. And uh, I'm just my, the wheels are turning in my head. I'm like, I want to see these guys beat up the Rock and Roll Express, you know. And it's like everyone who cut a promo on that show, James Storm cuts a great the Tim Storm promo. Oh my god! How you, my god? He cut that promo, and I'm like, get him, Tim. I'm like, I saw the spoilers, but fuck it, call an audible here. You're <laughs> right. My god, that was a Tim Storm had the night of his life. He crushed the promo. And then, Rich, the match was really good. That was really good. Yeah, you, like, you said there's going to be no really notebook good. matches, but God, that was pretty close. Like, it was, was close. Like, it wasn't really good by Tim Storm's standards. Rich, it was a really good match when he went for that low blow because it's like not because he was turning heel, right? Not because he was – but because he knew this was his last chance. And he knew that he was in desperation mode and he had to do whatever it took to win this title because he's never going to get another chance again. And he threw that low blow. My God, Rich, this match. I mean, yeah, you're going to see 900 better matches this year. But the story they told between the promos and that match and Tim Storm channeling himself from 10 years earlier when he was still old. And actually performing well on top of it, doing fucking dives off the top rope. And what a great main event. I mean, this worked out perfectly. And I, Rich, I would have been fine with a sloppy two-star main event that just told the story. But they ended up knocking it out of the park with the match, too. You know, one thing that, that I noted as well in this article, and I th- I'm curious on your thoughts, too, because you and I haven't talked about this, is what I loved about the NWA show too, and it, it, it's something that, that harkens back again to, to another era, is the faces and the people that were meant to be stars were the coolest motherfuckers in the entire planet during that show. James Storm even, who I don't like. I think James Storm's a shit. But he came out there as the biggest motherfucker and the baddest motherfucker in the world. Eddie Kingston comes out, and he is the man. He is everything. But what I love, though, is the guys that, the, the heels, the guys that were, 
you know, not meant to be win, the guys that weren't maybe supposed to be put over, they were they were losers. They were dorks, you know, and in and, and like I mean that in a good way, in an endearing way. Like there used to be a time where the baby faces were the ones that you wanted to cheer for because they were the coolest motherfuckers in the world. And the heels, you don't want to cheer for those assholes. You you are nobody in the universe is gonna cheer for the wild cards. The Royce Isaacs, Thomas Lattimore. They're right, like right, right. oiled up, tanned weirdos, they're annoying. Like you don't like those guys. You're never going to cheer for them. They're not cool heels. They're just fuckwads. You don't want to cheer for those guys. Josephus. No one in the world is going to cheer for Josephus. He comes out here. Right. He's ranting Raven. And James Storm's just like, you, what are you doing? Man? Shut up. You're an idiot. And it's like, you want James Storm to kick this guy's ass. You want, you know, you don't want Eddie Kingston to beat the fuck out of the wild cards. You want Eddie Kingston to homicide to beat those guys' asses. Like, that. it's kind of cool in that sense. Like, we forget that that, that used to happen in wrestling. Like, the heels were not cool. The heels were not admirable. The heels were not, they were idiots. They were dumb. They would cheat and they would fail. Sometimes they would cheat and they would win, but ultimately at the end, the babyface was going to get over on them anyway. And that's what it was forever, forever and ever and ever. And we've gotten to this point now where we're going to talk about Hell in the Cell where like people are rooting for the heel to kill, like literally kill the babyface. And it's like, that's not what it was. Like it used to be good. And you see it here. You see how you can do it here because the heels don't have to look cool. The heels don't have to look strong every time. They can sometimes look like geeks and dorks because the bigger point is you want the babyface to be the biggest and baddest motherfuckers in the in the planet. You want them to be the cool guys that everybody wants to cheer for. And they did. Nobody cheered for the wild cards. Nobody cheered for Josephus. It was all yeah. for Kingston and Storm and 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 you know, the both storms. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like and they cheered for Nick Aldis because similar to Ric Flair. Like he's like, well, I mean, that guy's pretty fucking cool. It's hard. And like, and you can have some of those characters, but up and down the card, you don't need everybody that's a heel to be cool. They don't need to be cool. They shouldn't be cool. Heels yeah. aren't cool. <laughs> you know? Baby faces this, are cool. This show doesn't need to be cool. It, you know what I mean? It's like just the, it, the whole vibe that it has. Um, you know, it, it's, again, they're going to get you in the door with the throwback stuff, but they're, they're only going to hold you if it's as interesting as it was this week. And they can build stories on top of each other uh, week over week and, and those sorts of things. So... Um, we'll see if it can sustain. You know, I, I think some people will get uh, tired of it and, and they'll need more in their wrestling and they're, they're going to get tired of the squashes and they'll lose some people based on that. But um, this is something that it's, it was such an easy hour to watch too. I mean, I, I can't see how or why I wouldn't carve out an hour of my week to watch this. And a lot like Dynamite, I'm looking forward to next week's. I mean, after what I saw week one, like I'm genuinely like, ah, I got a couple more days till the next NWA show. I, I can't wait, you know, because it, it really impressed the fuck out of me out of the gate week one. It, it's such a cool little, it's just, it's so different. And, and the scene really needs things to be different. And hopefully this sets a template for other places that, you know, are going to want to try to do, the, you know, just be, try, be what you can be best and be different. And, and I think that can go a long way. But uh, very encouraging start. The numbers are ridiculously way – I would have never guessed the numbers that they did, either live or – they'll be dated numbers by the time people listen to this or the, the, the numbers that they currently have. Yeah, I try to go as, as quickly as I could after we recorded, but yeah, some things are probably going to change. Yeah. So. yeah, I mean it just, it just blew me away. So we'll see if it sustains and um, – you know, I, I don't even want to talk about long term. Maybe you shop it to a team. Just enjoy it for what it is now, and and see if they can build on that. And I know they plan on doing a a pay per view down the line 
um, quote unquote, very reasonably priced pay-per-view. So uh, we'll see. I don't remember what they charged for Crockett Cup or the 70th anniversary. Um, but, you know, we'll see this show. We'll watch this show unfold and see, um, you know, what kind of matches they build towards on, on when they do their, their big pay-per-view. And that'll be a little different. You know, you'll get longer matches on that. And it'll be more, you know, look, the, the, the NWA like the 70th, 70th anniversary show was a really that was a fun show mm-hmm. that had good matches on it and I didn't see all of Crockett Cup but what I saw you know it was fine and they and those shows drew good crowds too you know without the benefit of of a weekly show to build up to them you know so I'm just stunned at the numbers it did because essentially the marketing for this was Dave Lagana tweeting things right <laughs> exactly. You know, and it's like otherwise, like if you didn't follow the NWA account or you don't follow Dave or you, how would you even know this thing existed? And and still look at the numbers it did. Very impressed Absolutely. at the gate. All right, let's do it. Hell in a cell, Joe. All right. I it. mean, we can't make any jokes that anyone hasn't made already, right? <laughs> if they've all been so are we even going to try? I mean, no, let's, let's try to be serious about it, I guess, at least the most we could. I mean, yeah, we're, we're Sunday feels like a century ago and every other podcast has dunked on this. I've dunked on it. I've had, you know, on, on voice rest on the slash Patreon, I have my wife help me dunk on this. I mean, what <laughs> it, it, it was a disaster. One of the biggest disasters of a main event I've ever seen and a disastrous all-around show as yeah. well. But that main event, I mean, there's nothing more you and I... I mean, I know people are probably going to be disappointed because they really want us to get upset and angry and scream and yell or whatever. But there's been so much good wrestling this week that I just don't have the energy to go like, that was shit. It was shit. You know it was shit. It was no good. And nobody liked it. So, And, and they hated it, too. Because they didn't fucking mention it on Raw until the last possible moment that they could. They know goddamn well that that was an absolute disaster, too. So They, they know it was bad. Um, they wouldn't have mentioned it at all, but you know they had to address it at some point, and they did one little video package at the 245 mark of Raw <laughs> right. before they even breathed either guy's name, and neither guy appeared on the show, and they just did that one little two-minute video package, and that was that. They recognized it was bad. They recognized it was a failure. Rich, it was because they didn't do what we said they should do. The Fiend should have went in there and squashed that man. That doesn't mean beat him in 10 seconds. But he should have thoroughly dominated Seth Rollins and won the title. Or, I mean, there was a moment. There was a moment. He hits that Sister Abigail. I think it was seven minutes into the match. Yeah. That he hit that, and you hear the crowd go, yes, here we go. Like, he kicked, I think he kicked out of a few of the curb stomps or whatever, one of the 19 curb stomps he kicked out of. And you heard the crowd get up and go, oh, shit, here we go. And then Seth kicked out at two. The air got sucked out of that building, and it never came back because they said, and they knew, oh, fuck you. <laughs> This is gonna. Yeah. This is not how it's gonna end. This shit's gonna go on forever. And and you, they had it. If they ended at that moment, if he hits his sister Abigail in the middle of this ring. Nobody cares about this match. Nobody talks about this match. Everybody says that was perfect. You know, it was exactly what it was. The fiend kicked out of the curb stomp and made himself look like a monster, and he won the title. And they've made a star in in in, in the fiend. And instead, they went 15 more minutes with whatever the fuck this was for the last 15 minutes was just an absolute unmitigated disaster. One of the worst main events you could you could ever imagine in your head. Yeah, and I have a slightly alternate take that I've been saving for this show, but it's like a lot of people are saying, well, it's obvious that The Fiend is over. Listen to that crowd. You know, they want him to win the title and all that, and I agree. That crowd definitely wanted The Fiend to win the title, and he should have won the title. The thing is, though, 
I'm still not sold on The Fiend. I still think The Fiend will not be successful long term, even if handled properly, because there's no fucking way you it, you can give people what you gave them that night with the red lights and the whatever the fuck that was long term and have it be sustainable. There's no fucking way. And I also contend, okay, that they weren't so much cheering for The Fiend as they were cheering against Seth Rollins. Right. Seth Rollins is a fucking nerd. He's never been over at a meaningful level. We've been banging that drum since WrestleMania. Statistics and and business support what we're saying. People are tired of Seth Rollins, and they wanted this guy to literally murder the Seth Rollins character. I think it was much more an anti-Seth Rollins crowd than a pro fiend crowd that could have been anyone in there with Rollins and, and they would have been, and they would have been anti Rollins on that night, but they especially wanted this new character who could have really fucking just sent Rollins away for six months to get the job done. So that's where I stand on it. Um, I still am cold on the fiend as a long-term thing. I think it's way too gimmicky. And I think people are just fucking tired of Seth Rollins. I'm right with you on that. Um, I really have nothing more to say about that. Man, <laughs> like I said, again, I, people might be disappointed by it, but if you want um, the house call uh, on voiceofwrestling.com slash Patreon, uh, I got pretty detailed in there. It's like Joe said, what else do we say about this? There's, there's nothing more. And there's been so much other stuff that like, I, to me, like I wanted to be more upset about it, but it's so stupid. And we know this company sucks. And <laughs> It's like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I wasn't, I, part of me was like, I can't believe they did that. And then part of me was like, yeah, I can believe they did that. That's exactly what they would do. It just makes something that should have been so simple, convoluted and, and disastrous and make no logical sense and just not make, I mean, there's just so many things that you can put in there, but yeah, it's been done by a thousand other podcasts at this point too. So there's just, there's just no point in doing it, but let, let's there's run over been, this. Sh- well, uh, go ahead. The, Sorry. You know, there's been reports that Paul Heyman very badly wants the fiend on raw. So you can see that this is one of those things where you can tell that Paul Heyman is, is firmly behind it. Um, he gets behind these wacky ideas. Sometimes he still believes in this. And I don't know if it, if it was fully Paul's vision, if the character would sort of be as over the top as it is. I think that's Vince. You know what I mean? It's like, but maybe that's just me thinking Paul has to be smarter than that. Mm-hmm. But I can totally see, and I've said before that I could totally see Paul Heyman being into this and thinking that he can get something out of this. Um, but it's like I—I I, I don't know. I'm—I—I I, I still stand by my opinion, based on even based on what I saw that long term it wouldn't work. I just think people are going to think it's too goofy. I, I still think that in mass people are just going to laugh at it instead of taking no one's taking that serious and I, you, okay one more thing because i know you want to move on i am really tired of people countering me with did you say that about the undertaker i'm like no well that was 25 fucking years ago <laughs> and, and the landscape was different right and and maybe that shit would have worked back then okay but it's a different world now and and i don't think that's a good fucking analogy at all you know, and yeah, I know wrestling can be over the top and all that, but um, yeah, if if the Undertaker debuted today, I'd laugh at that too. Right, and, right. And if, Kane, me, if Kane debuted right now, I mean, Kane, Kane yeah. wasn't that long ago either, and it was very similar in a lot of ways in terms of this the sort of uh, you know larger than life monster, or whatever. But yeah, if Kane came out and they told the story, if Seth Rollins came out and said, "I have a brother who burned in a fire," and you know, like we'd laugh, we'd say, "What a fucking dork!" I what would an mock idiot. that too. And right. then let me tell you something else: if the Undertaker debuted today. 
with Paul Bearer and all, with his purple glove, with his gray gloves. I guess the yeah, yeah. Oh no, the purple came in 1994, and buddy. And, and and his gimmick was he's a zombie. Okay, <laughs> kind of. He's also a mortician, I guess. Yeah, not only with with, with Paul Bearer, who has the most go away heat from me of all time of any acted wrestler. Wow, I really? Stand I didn't Bearer. know that. I didn't know you. Oh my uh, god, oh, I hate. We'll have Paul to talk Bearer. about that another time then. The stupid faces and the fucking way he ta- I hated Paul Bearer. Even as a kid, I couldn't take it. I hated Paul Bearer, and I was never an Undertaker fan. But but if but I understand why it worked. If that debuted this Monday on Raw, I'd come on here and tell you that's going to fail too. And guess what? It would. That's not going to work now. It worked in 1991. Right. Well, and the other part about that too, and, and, and again, people bring up the two characters that were over the top that worked. The Undertaker probably shouldn't have worked, but it did. Kane yeah. maybe shouldn't have worked, but it did. Nobody ever brings up Mordecai. <laughs> you know what I mean? Nobody ever brings right. up, you know, all these other monster characters. Nobody ever brings up Boogeyman. Nobody ever brings up all right. the shit that was a fucking disaster. And, and, yeah, and didn't last and went away. They always go to The Undertaker. Well, yeah, <laughs> you picked the one character that survived that. Like, most of the time, these sort of characters don't survive. Most of the time, these right. characters don't thrive and become the biggest stars in the company's history. The Undertaker did. And it's really hard in an era where you have stuff like AEW that's catching people's attention. You know, and it's, it's, it's I don't know. I'm still not so hot on it unless they make some adjustments to it. We'll see what they go move for. But they're definitely going to get behind it. Motherfucker should have won. I don't think the way they did it hurts him, though. As much. I think it hurt Rollins more, honestly. Oh, yeah. No, he's, dude, he's going to come out on Fox on Friday and face Roman Reigns and be the most booed guy in the building. Like, yes, Roman Reigns is going to be over as fuck because they just want yeah. him to Superman punch Seth Rollins and get that geek out of the ring. Yeah, he is done. He's toast after this. That's where, like, even if they said, hey, no, you're going to go over, and this is how you're going to go over, kind of, by ref style. I, like, if I'm Seth, I'm like, oh, no, dude, like, please, I'll do the job, man. Please let me lose the title, like, because this way that you're going to book me is not going to go well. Oh, hopefully he thought that. Maybe he's, he might be pretty stupid, but uh, if I were them, I would say, no, 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 That's not how the finish is going to be. Please have me lose to Bray Wyatt. Please let me do the job, because that would have been, yeah, a lot better than than whatever they chose. But uh, anyway, let's go over the show so, here real quick. Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. So this is so – this is potentially the worst card of the year, right? Oh yeah, this is bad. This was a tr- really, really bad show with like because the main event is going to really. I mean, like in observer voting, it's probably going to win. It's got to be the forerunner because the main event is so so bad, like epically all time bad. And I think it outweighs kind of the one or two matches that I thought there were two really good matches to open the show. And then I don't know, but let's let's go over it. Let's do that. So you have a kickoff show. You have Natalia defeating uh, Lacey Evans here. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna actually the, the card that I have here is not in order. So let me actually go uh, and find the order. So I did not watch the uh, the Lacey Natalia kickoff, but uh, I assume you did show your Mister Kickoff show. So uh, not a fucking chance. Oh come on! All right, never no. mind then. <laughs> You're busy? You had other obligations? I was, yeah, jam-packed day. Believe know, it or not, wow, shocking. Yeah, I really, it. really wanted to watch Lacey versus Natalia, but I couldn't <laughs> I get it Turn off football to watch. I heard it was okay, though. I heard, I heard it was, it was good, was too. A... Yeah, it was the, the blow-off of the feud for the next, like, four minutes, and then it didn't blow off again. No, they wrestled the next <laughs> Exactly, the last right, last standing. standing, yeah. For a second, it was advertised as the blow-off, and then immediately it wasn't the blow-off. But that's fine. Anyway, we got to the main show here. Becky Lynch defeating Sasha Banks to retain the Raw Women's title in a Hell in a Cell match. I really like this. It was a really good Hell in a Cell match. <sighs> okay. Sure, I mean, all right. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. Listen. This is a hard one for me because I liked it too, but 
but at the same time, it's like the most overrated match of the year. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I've seen a lot of like, that was match. Of the, like, yeah, no, no. It's not that. And it maybe, was a good Hell in a Cell. And most Hell in a Cell matches kind of stink. That's kind of the other secret that a lot of people don't want to admit. But no, I thought ultimately pretty good. Maybe that's on me because I watched it, this show after. Because I, you know, I watched baseball and football that day, that night, rather. Um, so maybe it's on me because I saw the hype. But I saw people saying, oh, this is the greatest Hell in a Cell match of all time. This is a match of the year contender. This is I saw people giving it like five stars, and um, I so it set my expectations really high. And then I watched it, and it never hit that gear for me. I thought it was like a really good like four star match, like that neighborhood. So I don't know what Grapple has on it. I don't know what Cage Match has on it. I don't know if the Observer's out, <clears throat> but you know I thought they worked really hard. There was innovation, and. But I thought it was a little too long. I mean, it did lose my interest at times. You know, I, my interest drifted from it. Um, I'm not emotionally invested in either wrestler. I'm sure that helps people. And that's valid. Sure. That's oh, not enough. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, because I'm sure I overrate matches where I'm emotionally invested in the wrestlers. Um, so all of that combined, I'm watching it just as someone who doesn't give a shit about who wins or, or either, you know, both wrestlers I'm neutral on. I don't like them or dislike them. I thought I, w- I would say it's about uh, four on the dot for me. Yeah, that's about where I'm at too. So even though we we came at it from different directions, maybe because I watched it yeah, in real time, we landed, in the, we landed in the same place. Yeah, it, like you know? I, you know, I watched it in real time, and I was like, oh, that was a pretty good match. I didn't really see much of what the people were saying, but yeah, if you watch it after the fact and you hear people putting it over it to the tremendous extent that it was, uh, I could see uh, the people again because the ending kind of the ending kind of was uh, I don't know it was kind of a dull ending um, that didn't quite land with me. But yeah, I thought there was enough innovative stuff that they did. Uh, that was pretty good. Great way to open the show. So, hey, this is off to a great start, this show. Uh, we had Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns defeating Rowan and Luke Harper. Uh, this is a match that I saw a lot of people really liked. To me, again, if I had not, if I haven't watched this company in, in, in you know, and I don't watch every single pay-per-view and all this sort of stuff, I would maybe like it a little bit more. But to me, it just felt like a very, very paint-by-numbers WWE brawl with all the tropes and the announce table stuff and just, like, everything that we talk about all the time. You know, I'd like to turn it into a tag aspect of it, but yeah, ultimately, I, I just wasn't that interested in this match. It was good. Like, I can admit that it was good, but that it just didn't land for me. Yeah, I really liked it. I thought it was just as good as the, the Hell in a Cell. Um, it had intensity, and I thought everybody was on their game. So, I mean, I, I thought it was maybe, I thought Becky and Sasha was maybe a smidge better than this. I'd go like three and a half or three and three quarters or something. But I, I really like this way more than I thought I was going to like it. So, um, I don't know. The show was off to a great start. Yeah, ultimately, though, me. I mean, two good matches to kick it off. I, don't, I mean, I've liked the brawl as much as others, but yeah, it was undeniable. It was a uh, a good start to old Hell in a Cell. And I will kind of quickly go over the rest here because the rest was uh, varying degrees of a disaster. You had Randy Orton. Okay, and- so, Becky, so Becky and Sasha is at 4.08. On grab. Okay, so yeah, not far which means I'm just I'm just reading the wrong Twitter accounts then. Yeah, exactly. You're just reading idiots. You're just reading stands. <laughs> you need to be reading better people. But uh, anyway, uh, then we had Randy Orton versus Ali. Like I said, I'll go over kind of quickly because that's just kind of a smorgasbord of shit uh, coming up here. But uh, Randy Orton Ali, I didn't mind it all that much, but it was pretty mundane. Exactly what you probably assume a Randy Orton uh, Ali match was. There were some some high spots that I enjoyed from Ali, uh, but ultimately not a ton uh, to really sink your teeth into there. 
Uh, after that, you have the Kabuki Warriors uh, defeating Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross to win the women's tag team titles. Uh, Kabuki Warriors are now heels, uh, so Asuka sprayed mist uh, in, uh, I believe it was but Nikki. they got cheered, Rich. Yeah, well, yeah, because they don't know how to actually tell stories. So <laughs> they did no build-up. They were just like, they came out, they did eye pokes and sprayed mist, and they're, you're supposed to know their heels. But people, because, like, would you cheer for Nikki and Alexa? Like, that team kind of stinks. Like, don't they? They feel like I don't know. I don't know what this company oh, well, thinks. Nikki, well, well, Alexa, Nikki, Nikki has never really committed to being a heel. It was sort of like Nikki was a babyface with her. It was the, the old babyface heel team, right? Exactly. Thing. But now they became just like de facto faces, even though Alexa was still kind of an asshole all the time. Yes, Alexa is now just a face. Okay. There's no big moment for that. She's and like she's not like a eye rolling asshole anymore either because she's a face now. Yeah. So just. One day she was a face. It's everything that's wrong. Just whatever. <laughs> just, yeah, whatever. Exactly. Let's just move on. We got other stuff. Uh, Viking Fuck Raiders cares. and uh, Braun Strowman defeat the OC uh, by disqualification because uh, three people or four people went in to attack Braun Strowman. And that's a no-no. You can't do that. So um, instead of giving Braun Strowman a win, <laughs> like like you're building up Braun Strowman for this Tyson Fury thing. Can, can he not just fucking power slam Carl Anderson and pin him? Can he not just punch Luke Gallows? Why am I getting upset about this? Why, can't, like, why did it have to be a DQ? Like, why did three people have to kick Braun Strowman's ass so much that it was a DQ? Like, am I nuts that that's not the way to book Braun Strowman? Do I not know I what's mean, going on? Do I not understand wrestling anymore, Joe? And you're putting him in a big money angle? <laughs> Just have him, punch, have him punch Luke Gallows and pin his ass. <laughs> like, Yeah, why does... Yeah, he's feuding I mean, with a boxer. <laughs> like, like right, he, it would even be a good build-up for that. What the yeah. fuck? Like, what are they doing? I, I gotta say though, I really love the Braun Strowman Tyson Fury stuff on Raw. It's it, been good. It, yeah, it, I like that. A lot. It landed with me. It landed with me. Um, they did one or two extra fucking escape from the pull aparts. Then they might have overdone it a little. Yeah, the but seventh, overall, by the seventh pull apart, you're like, all right, <laughs> I got it, I got it, I got it. But yeah, yeah, like he ran back out from the back, which I thought was cool because I wasn't expecting it. But I felt like it may have gone on a little long. But overall, I think Tyson Fury kind of comes off. Sometimes stars from other things don't translate to wrestling. I think he translates. And I thought that it was well done. And, you know, because Braun Strowman has been flipping trucks and breaking down sets, I kind of buy him against Fury when I spend my disbelief for it. So, I don't know. I thought the the Raw angle came off very well. And what otherwise was a very by-the-numbers holding pattern Raw as they wait for the draft. Um, We don't talk about Raw a lot, but I, I thought that that segment, the final segment of Raw, really worked well. Uh, next match here, we had Shorty Gable defeating Baron Corbin. He's short, you see. So he's the post match stuff here was infuriating. <laughs> I mean, how, he does the promo where he's calling himself short and making short puns and short jokes, and everyone's calling him short. What, who is this entertaining? Who, uh, who enjoys <laughs> Vincent Kennedy McMahon? Is, is who enjoys? Well, that. yeah, I know, but like, like, like in earnest, <laughs> who's like, ha 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 ha? He's short. Like, and then no. The worst part of this, okay, is he wins the match, okay, and then Baron Corbin beats him <laughs> beats up in the hallway. Ass. Beats his ass. <laughs> so why? What did he gain from winning the match? Nothing. 50-50. <sighs> Charlotte defeats Bailey to become the ten-time women's <laughs> champion. Yeah, is there any? I mean, so how can many you name? I want you to name everybody that she beat for all ten of her titles. So go right now. <laughs> I mean, 
yeah, here's the thing, though. I could probably just throw names at you. And <laughs> you be probably right. going to be right. I'm not going to look it up. You can just say names, and I'll say you're right. So just say Bailey, Sasha, Becky, and Paige or something. No, I, know that, I, think, I think Bailey, Sasha. She had the NXT one. Um, I don't think she did. She ever beat Becky? I, why are we doing this? <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> this is the most meaningless thing. Like her ten title reigns. She's been on the main roster what, like four years? Pretty much, yeah. Right, something like that. They're ca- are they counting the NXT one? I think they are. It's like they just want to get her to sixteen as quickly as they can. And if, if you're doing that, it doesn't mean anything. It took Ric Flair twenty five fucking years to get to sixteen, right? They're going to get her to 16 in like six years and then try to make a big deal out of it. And do you know how many dollars that will draw when she's going for her 16th or her 17th rather? Zero dollars, Rich. That's how many dollars it will draw because it's not going to mean anything to anyone because they're all short little title reigns that nobody remembers and doesn't have a single meaningful title win in the book. I don't remember any of them off the top of my head. If you started running them off, I might remember them. Like, oh, yeah, I remember that match. I guarantee you I wouldn't remember like seven of them. They mean nothing. So they're going to get her to 16. They're going to make a big deal out of her going for 17, and it's going to draw zero dollars. Right. Because it it doesn't mean a thing because they ensure that it doesn't mean a thing. Right. They couldn't let it happen over time. Over the course of her 10-year career, it just so happens or it just kind of happens or whatever. But no, it's going to be hit over the head. When she was at five, it was hit over the head. And it was – it's yeah, yeah, like you said. Now the goal is just get her to 16 as quickly as possible so you can – Who the fuck is ever going to remember this one? You're going to forget about this. Rich, I'm going to write this down. You're going to forget about this match in, in less than 60 days. I'm right. Oh, thing. I'm positive. Yeah, for sure. I'll try. I, I'll try not to. I'll try everything. Bring I'll, it up randomly. Like I'll when remember I it every you. day. <laughs> I'll put a re- reminder in my phone uh, not to forget about it. But yeah, you can, you can yeah, test me in, I, in 60 days if you want. When I spring a quiz on you, which I was thinking about doing this week, but I'm not going to do it. Uh, same thing. I'm going to spring this. Day. You're not going to remember. We'll see. What else was on this show? That was it. That stunk. Then we had our main event. Yeah. It, not a good show. Terrible. <laughs> yeah, two good matches and a whole lot of shit. For a show with two really good matches, it was a really bad show. Yeah, and and and, and you're right that it's going to lose the worst. It's probably going to win the worst show of the year. And that's not. There probably are worse shows, but when you're when you're so bad, when you have one match that really stands out, that's what we always say. Like there are the worst match of the year isn't necessarily the quote unquote worst match of the year. And a lot of times, it's the most disappointing match of the year. The the match yeah. that shouldn't have been as bad as it was, but was as bad as it was. And that's why the, there will be worse shows. There will absolutely be worse shows. They probably have had worse shows, but this one. Because of that main event and because of where it was at the beginning of the show, we'll win that because it's just it's good. You're going to remember it. You most bad yeah. shows you forget. Most bad matches you go that match sucked and then you forget about it. But the ones that are you know, demonstrably bad are the ones you're going to remember. And this 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 show because of that main event is one that you'll absolutely remember at the end of the year. To be to be fair though, it's like outside of those two matches, everything else was legitimately bad for some reason or another. Right, it either didn't make sense, or, or the match itself didn't click, or the booking was terrible. Yeah, there was there was enough, little bit there. Yeah, it's a uh, it was a anyway, gauntlet. But yeah, let's let's, let's get to this. Let's get. Why to are this. we doing? Why why did we do that before King of Pro Wrestling? I don't know. I don't know. I, I we really should have waited uh, to the end of the show. But anyway, Fucking now we can garbage. end on a good note. No, let's end on a good note here. So we got New Japan King of Pro Wrestling coming up this now weekend. I'm upset. No, no, now no. I'm no, upset. hold on a minute. I'm. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to help this. There's there's a man that's on the show immediately right off the bat that I'm sure is gonna put you in a better mood because the opening right. match of King of Pro Wrestling, New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, coming up this uh, this Monday, uh, Ryusuke Taguchi, Sho and Yo versus El Desperado, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, and Doki. 
Yeah, Dookie's back. I'm sure that's who you're talking about. No, Desperado. Your boy Despy. Of course. I'm doing a bit. Oh, I was Uh, like, oh, I thought you were excited about that. I I forgot if you've turned the corner on Dookie or not. So I haven't turned it. Well, what do you consider turning the corner? Do I think he's good? No. Do I think he's a perfectly acceptable guy on the roster to to eat pins? Yeah. I don't think he's terrible. What do you think? You think he's terrible? No, I think he's good. I think he's oh, I'm not well, <laughs> good for his role, I should say. Sorry, let me Yeah, 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 yeah. Like he he's not out. good. I don't want him facing Will Ospreay for the junior title like that I would dislike. But if he's right. just a pin-eating opener, fuck yeah, he's great. He's got a, like an interesting weird look and he's kind of bizarre and and odd and people laugh about him and yeah, it's fine. It's 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 harmless. So He's got the metal pipe and he's got pipe, uh yeah. Did you have you, did you watch his last promo? Have you been watching the promos? I haven't watched the promos, and I feel bad about it because everybody keeps telling me the promos are incredible. So I do need to, before the show, go through and watch uh, all those promos. Yeah, the Suzuki Liger promos, which we'll talk about in a minute, are just out. They're just fucking ridiculously good. But then, you know, you watch the others because why the fuck not, right? So Dookie, after his last match, he, like, lost to LIJ, and he called them uh, he called them lucha posers, and then he told them to kiss his ass. Nice. That helped <laughs> me turn the corner on Dookie, I'll tell you. Because it was short and it was sweetness to the point. He's like, you guys are nothing but lucha posers. And then he goes, and you can kiss my ass. And he yeah. just stormed out of there. So you kind of like that kind of, uh, uh, you know, focused, targeted anger and aggression. But yeah, Despy's back. Love me some Despy. Um, I think he's in the junior tag league, right? Isn't he team? I believe with, uh, so. Yeah, we can go if we want. We can. Well, we could probably hold that off until. Um, well, maybe no, we can't. Maybe we can't. But yeah, I'll, uh, I'll let me fire up the junior tag league. Uh, We'll do it quickly at the end of this. Yeah. Um, he is. Yes, he is in there. So we'll talk about all of them uh, here in a bit. Okay. But uh, I thought this is interesting, too. Uh, second from the bottom, Hiroshi Tanahashi. When's the last time Hiroshi Tanahashi has been second from the bottom? Teaming with Hanma versus yeah. Makabe and Yano. I mean, my yeah. God. One of those things well, is not like the others. Well, listen. Tanahashi, Hanma, and Yoshihashi challenged most violent players and Taguchi for the six-man titles in Corrigan. Of course they lost. And that post-match promo, Tanahashi was like, we came up short, and I don't think I want to team with you guys anymore, but I'll always keep this team in my heart. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I swear to you, I promise you. <laughs> yes, that's awesome. He's like, I'll always keep this team in my heart and, and all this, because he's teaming with like, you know. Right, the, the but you guys fucking of, suck. <laughs> I don't want to team with you yeah. again. <laughs> The whole tone of it was, I'm never teaming with you again. This was awful. He's bleeding from the nose from the beating that he took. But uh, but that's kind of where this match came from. The six-man tag team uh, title challenge there where they came up short. This is the same pairing except without Taguchi and without um, the bag of socks. So. But yeah, Tanahashi second from the bottom. Yeah, it's you have to go yeah. way far back to find that. I don't think that's happening. God, ten plus years probably, unless there was just some unbelievably stacked show or whatever. But yeah, yeah I'd be hard pressed to find any show uh, you'd find on that low. Uh, we got Naito, Shingo, and Bushi versus Zack Sabre Jr., Lance Archer, and Taichi. Uh, not a whole lot to really say about that one. Um, do you have anything big? I mean. Does Zack Sabre start popping off about being in that tournament That's, again? This is what we talked about a few weeks ago. This has got to be that moment because he's talked about it. Naito's obviously kind of one of the ringleaders of, of that entire tournament. There's got to be something right now where, where, where that blows off or where, where Zach goes, you know, what, what are you talking about? You being in the tournament? Well, I, I should be in the t- So there's got to be something there. There has to be. There, there's no way so. that these two would be paired against each other without that being, you know, yeah. mentioned in some way, shape, or form. So. I mean, we're all assuming a four-man field. Maybe it's a six- or eight-man field. Or maybe, like we said last week, Sabre challenges for a spot in the field and right. loses. And, and that keeps Naito busy until we get to the Dome. So that that's the one thing I would keep an eye on there. 
Uh, old bag of socks here. He's teaming with Goto and Ishii versus Jay White, Kenta, and Yujiro. Who takes the fall there? You think Yujiro or Yoshihashi? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's tough. It's hard. <laughs> I think the baby faces will win. I do too. I, yeah, think, I think it's probably likely. Um, I think Yujiro is actually a little lower than Yoshihashi on the totem pole. I would, I would assume he is as well, but uh, you never know what, um, they, what they think about Yoshihashi today. So yeah, this is just a bunch of guys feuding with each other. So, you know, it's typical New Japan pay-per-view mid-card six-man tag. And then we get into a very robust Ooh. business end of the card. This business end starts out, starts out. With yeah. Liger versus Minoru Suzuki. Yeah, I mean, look, I we should talk about what we talked about last week. I mean, just to clarify, I don't know that the guy is leaving the company, okay? And I, I'm pretty sure this is the way we phrased it last week. But, uh, you know, just to fucking make sure, because, of course, as predicted, it wasn't Reddit this time. No, no, Reddit was okay. Reddit actually quoted us they properly. They worded so. it. Yes, it's like it was uh, What Culture putting out an article basically saying that Joe Lanza says that Minoru Suzuki and Harold May are quitting New Japan. Rich, did I say either of these men? No, not even close. Is that even anywhere close to what I said, that Harold May was quitting New Japan? Okay, so just to reiterate, okay, there were rumblings in Japan. There were rumors in Japan that Minoru Suzuki was close to being finished with New Japan. Somebody from Japan passed that along to me. So like a lot of the leads that we get, sometimes they go somewhere. Sometimes we never think about them again. I poked around a little bit and asked some people. Someone got back to me, someone who is very well connected. Would you agree? Don't uh, let yes. me just hang out the dry here. No, for sure. Okay, yeah. so someone, someone who has never led us astray, someone who, by the way, has given us many of the scoops that we've gotten right about New Japan over the past several months. No one ever gives us credit for that. Okay, so this is a and that person came back and said, "You know what? I hadn't heard about it, but when you asked me, I went poking around, and the word from New Japan, inside New Japan, is that he would probably be gone if not for this Liger program. Is that what the person? That's said? exactly what he said. So, so that that is the." That's sort of the thing there is 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 and that's a quote we gave is and people ran with it however they wanted to. If not for this, he would probably he'd be, be gone, gone already. Right. Yeah, he'd be gone already is what the, is is the feel. So I didn't make anything up. It came from fucking Japan. Where pe- where it you know, he lives in Japan. It got around in Japan before it got you got a, people were have been talking about this in Japan. Okay? So I looked into it and there seems to be some kind of truth to it. In that he's unhappy or whatnot. Now, I heard a whole bunch of other shit surrounding it that I'm not talking about on the air because I think it's irresponsible because it's just telephone game stuff. Oh, here's why I think he's upset because I heard – but I'm not going to sit here and say that on the air. All I'm telling you is this has been talked about in Japan and we poked around and somebody very reliable okay, said that the word is they feel like – they feel like, not Joe Lanza, they, the company, feel like he'd be gone if it wasn't for the Liger program. Okay? 
I'm not going to spec. We speculated some reasons last week. Right. Yeah. We talked then, about some stuff last week. We talked about Nosawa, you know, yeah. is, is in power at Noah and their buds or whatnot. I talked about warrior wrestling has a booking for Suzuki during the world tag league in Chicago. So, I mean, yeah, not saying, oh, that's definitive proof, Joe. He's gone. He quit. Yeah, that's, he, all cir- that's all circumstantial. Yeah, we're level. saying, ooh, interesting. We've heard this rumbling. That person has told us this rumbling. And here are two things that are, you know, potentially can speak to that rumbling that we've heard. That's it. Yes, that's all. That's all. <laughs> but then you do that and people say, like, you're speaking. And as far as the Harold May thing, oh I never God. said. No. I never said he was quitting the company. I think we said the opposite. I, I think said we said that, that he, if anything, he would maybe move up the ladder in Bushi Road is more what I thought we were alluding to. But. All I know is a second person told me after a first person told me months ago, a second person told me from a uh, from the other side of the fucking globe, a second person told me that there are rumblings that after the Dome show that he won't be with New Japan anymore. I, they didn't even say Bushi Road. They just said New Japan. And, and he has been given some kind of new position in Bushi Road from what I understand. OK, so maybe that's all tying in. Maybe that's where the misunderstanding is. Maybe that's he's moving permanently up the ladder to some other position. And I don't know. Okay, this is why I'm hesitant to talk about things, because even while I'm talking about it last week, I knew this is what it was going to turn into. Go listen to the audio. The timestamp is two hours and 20 minutes. It's a free show. It's a free show. This isn't paywalled either. And I'm not backpedaling or changing anything I said. Two hours and 20 minutes last week. Just fuck, man. I like if people report on what we say on the show because it's only going to help us. But get the fucking words right. The words matter. Don't say that I'm saying that people are quitting when I never – the word quit never came out of my mouth. It totally changes the story. It makes it sound like he's unhappy and he's leaving and let alone it makes me sound like a liar because I don't know that he's quitting. I never said that. I wouldn't say that. It's not what I was told. Anyway, I wanted to get that off my chest. Absolutely. But yeah, the match itself, I mean, I, I can't wait. Uh, I have not had a chance to watch those promos, but I will. I've heard those were tremendous. Uh, it's going to be great. I mean, they, they've mentioned that this is going to be a war. These guys are going to go out there and try to murder each other. I cannot believe this is fifth from the top. Like, this this could have main evented a show. Uh, we, it, fuck, you and I Joe, were talking months ago about this main eventing. Like, the second night, like, you could have main evented a, a, one of the yeah. Wrestle Kingdoms before this, and it's going to be fifth from the top. Uh, so I can't wait to see what they do. It probably won't be super long, uh, given where both these guys' bodies are at this point, but uh, we don't need that. We just need – the crowd heat is going to be out, off the charts, and, well, and yeah, I, I can't wait to watch this. Well, the promos – this is why I told you to listen to the promos, because it adds fuel to those rumor fires concerning Suzuki, because, Rich, these men are talking about murdering each other. I'm going to kill you. It's was the, is the kind of shit they're saying to each other, and not in a pro wrestling way. You know, like I am literally going to kill you. I hate you, and I want you to be dead. Is the kind of shit that they're saying back and forth. And Suzuki is needling Liger with, "Why are you hiding under the mask? You know, where are you, Yamada? He keeps calling him Yamada. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where are you, Yamada? Come out from under the mask. Why are you hiding under the mask? Let me kill Yamada. Is the kind of shit that he's saying. And you know. Kishin Liger already tried to fucking kill Suzuki with the railroad spike. So I'm just saying, if Suzuki really is on his way out, what perfect way to do it than to have this be a giant blow off and have like the Kishin Liger character or, or Keichi Yamada. Yeah, I'd love or, that little Kishi Yamada. That'd be great if he just comes out yeah. just no mask, no makeup, nothing. And or Jushin Liger and they have like this serious blood mat and like you do it in such a way where Suzuki just cannot 
recover. Like he just right. he talked too much shit and he got beat and there's no way he can come back from it. So. And he got beat so badly into such a bloody pulp that it's his write off. So maybe they write him off, right. you know, and why do the match here instead of saving it for Wrestle Kingdom? I don't know what they have planned for Liger for Wrestle Kingdom. Maybe it is something bigger or better than this. I'm starting to think Tanahashi since he doesn't really have a direction and that'd be a really cool match. But I don't know. This is a match to keep an eye on for a multitude of reasons. Uh, junior heavyweight title here. We got Will Ospreay defending against El Fantasma. It's been a well-built feud as well, and I'm ready to see this, man. I think Fantasma's been, we've talked about it before, been really good in New Japan so far, well exceeded our expectations. On uh, the other guy in the ring is Will fucking Ospreay. So, I mean, come on. Like, you know this is going to be great because he is apparently incapable of having anything less than great matches. So, My only pause is if it gets silly. It could get silly. That's true. It could. So I, I don't want it to get silly. Um, so, I mean, if they just have a – this has been well built. Phantasmo has consistently had the upper hand on Will. So I feel like Will Ospreay will win the match. I'm not super confident. I wouldn't bet on it. But just the way that the feud is gone, it feels like Will has to get the upper hand at some point. But um, I just don't want it to get too silly. And it definitely has uh, a chance to get a little silly. A match I'm really looking forward to. John Moxley defending the U.S. title against Juice Robinson. No DQ. I mean, this is going to be, depending on what Liger and Suzuki do, like this is going to be potentially a show with a lot of brawl and a lot of blood, a lot of whatever. But uh, I'm excited about Moxley and Juice because I think those guys, great chemistry. Moxley, like you said earlier when we talked about AEW, just has a different sort of vibe about him. Uh, and Juice is as is, is, is hungry as ever uh, in New Japan. So, yeah, I cannot wait to see what these guys do here. And I would not be surprised to see Juice win the title back, honestly. No, I, you know, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is it for Moxley in New Japan. Although, um, I haven't read anything, and if I did, I forgot. I mean, I, I would assume they'd like to get him on the dome, uh, just to spark some uh, service buys and whatnot. But we'll see. You know, it's, it's again, it's interesting from that perspective because, yeah, I think Juice will win it back. I just want to see how they treat Moxley and see if we can get a read on whether he'll be back or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what they think of him. Uh, second from the top, man, this is a loaded show here. Uh, Kota Bushi defending the uh, G1 Climax contract against Evil. So Evil's gotten a lot of wins over him as of late. He's been pinning him left and right. Uh, I mean, you know Evil's not winning this match. You know Kota Bushi's winning this match. Uh, but I'm curious to see what these guys do when they get in the ring. Yeah, the problem with the top two matches is they can be really good matches, but the outcomes are not in doubt at all. They're 100% outcomes. So that hurts them a little. And I don't know. You know, Evil and Sonata working all these main event tags into the build-up to this has kind of bored me, to be honest. I don't have anything against either guy. I like them both, but um, the builds haven't really knocked my socks off either. But um, look, it's Kota Ibushi second from the top, and um, I'm sure it'll be great. So uh, the problem is it's just I'm never, ever going to buy that Evil is in danger of winning this briefcase. Right, exactly. And it's going to be the same with the main event, too. It's Okada uh, defending the IWGP Heavyweight Championship against Sonata. And, yeah, there, there's absolutely no chance in hell uh, Sonata's winning this title here. So that does kind of hurt a little bit. Uh, these two, there are some matches these two have had that I've really, really liked. There's some that I haven't really liked. I'm curious where I fall on this one, but I'll be interested nonetheless, uh, even if, you know, as you said, there, there's almost zero doubt uh, who's going to win this. So it does kind of hurt those top two matches. But but ultimately, you know, when we talk about the, it, if those top two matches are just like fine pro wrestling matches, which I'm sure they're going to be, the rest of the stuff on this card, particularly those three matches in the middle, uh, really, honestly, if Liger and Suzuki deliver, I'm going to be a happy man. Uh, and then Moxley and Juice will just be, you know, icing on the cake. And then everything else has the opportunity to really, really um, 
enhance the show a lot. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 got, it does kind of stink. Uh, the top two matches, you know what's going to happen. But I mean, hell, it doesn't matter because I think the rest of the show's got some really tremendous stuff on here. This is a loaded, loaded show with a lot of big singles matches. Yeah, I mean, their last match was great and really got me excited about another one. Whereas before their last match, if you recall, I was like, I don't want to see these guys wrestle twice more. Right. Yeah, exactly. But but the last match got me back into it because the, the work was so good. And, you know, now that I've seen them wrestle a few times, I want to see how they, you know, you focus on other things when you know that the outcome's not in doubt. You see how they incorporate the finishes from the other matches into this one. And Okada's great at that stuff. So that's the kind of stuff I'll be paying attention to. And also Sonata, if he can go out there and have a big time performance in a big spot, because we know that he can lay an egg and I'm not nearly as down on him as some other people are, but he can, he has it in him to lay an egg. Sure. So, um, I think it's a very important match for him. All right. And that is new Japan King of Pro wrestling real quickly though. Let's go over the uh, junior tag, uh, tournament, uh, teams. Now this starts October 16th is where the uh, tournament kicks off. It'll be running from November 1st as well. It'll be on the, uh, road to power struggle tour. Uh, and the final will be held November 3rd. Uh, at Power Struggle. Uh, not too many huge surprises here. I think there's one interesting wrinkle in, in who's not included in this, which we'll talk about in a sec, but um, Sho and Yo, so Rapongi 3K are in there. Uh, Taiji Ishimori and El Phantasmo. Uh, El Desperado and Yoshinobu Kanemoro. Will Ospreay and Robbie Eagles, uh, the Birds of Prey. Ryusuke Taguchi and Rocky Romero. Uh, your CMLO representatives are Volador Jr. and Teton. You have Tiger Mask and Yua Uemura. And I think an interesting team here, TJP and Clark Connors rounding the, the, the field out there. So, Joe, I don't think any big surprises in terms of who's there. I think the big surprise is that there is no Ring of Honor team. So, yeah. <laughs> that's no, no Ring of Honor team and no Dragon Lee. So, that's the big story here. The Dragon Lee thing is New Japan eventually may have to pick a side. Dragon Lee has made it publicly known that he wants to work for New Japan. But they have to be careful because there's the whole, you know, family feud and uh, going on and, and uh, between CMLL and, and, and Roosh and his family and Dragon Lee um, getting dragged into all, all that mess. And, and it's, it's politically there's some minefields there. We know that they're doing Fantastic Mania again. They've already announced it. So I don't know. I'm sure New Japan would love to have Dragon Lee. And politically, I mean, you could always, like, if you want to bring them in for tournaments or whatever, you could always put them in the opposite block as the CMLL guys. It's really not that big a deal from that perspective. But CMLL is really hot about this whole situation. Yeah, they've been pulling guys from so, shows that are you know, even left, with yeah. Dragon Lee on them. Like, they just don't want any other guys with him or yeah. Roosh or any of those guys. So it's 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 weird. It's a minefield, like you said right now. Yeah. And as far as no Ring of Honor teams, yeah, I mean, Ring of Honor, I think, has a European tour at the same time. But that's never been a, a problem before. I mean, if, I feel like if they wanted a Ring of Honor team, there'd be one in there, is the bottom line. Um, and we've seen Ring of Honor relationship slowly deteriorate since MSG, which we kind of figured would happen. You know, Gresham was in Super J Cup, but outside of that, I mean, you know, if they really wanted Marty Skrull on this tour, they, you know, Ring of Honor couldn't make that happen, for example. So it's like, I, I, I don't know. There's, I feel like it's falling apart. I really, truly feel like at the end of the day, and I don't know when that day is going to be, New Japan is going to work with AEW. I know that they're, it's, it's like a cold war right now, and there's bitterness and everything else. 
But I think time will heal that. And more importantly, I think New Japan will see that that's their best business move. When you can use guys like Kenny Omega and whatever other stars AEW eventually creates versus Ring of Honor. What's the advantage of doing business with them? Yeah, right now there's none. There's zero. Really. Yeah. You're now running their buildings and running sellouts. You don't need them. You're literally running the buildings you'd be running with them, but you're selling them out yourself. What the fuck do you need them for? What stars do they have that are going to benefit you? So, um, yeah, I think it's very telling that there's yeah, no it, representation. To me, and, and this is kind of how I thought it was going to go. I didn't think it would be in like a press release that New Japan and Ring of Honor are no longer working together. I think it'll just be like a slowly, you know, we've all been in those relationships where it's just like the calls become a little bit more infrequent. The texts become a little bit more infrequent. And then it's just kind of like over. There's not like always a reckoning where you sit down and go, yeah, this is over. This is done. All right, bye. Sometimes it's just like, oh, we just stop talking to each other. <laughs> it just ended. Like, you know. That's fine. That's and I feel like that's what this yeah. is. It's like, hey, yeah, how's it going? Yeah, we're doing good. Okay, cool. Like it's just like little by little. It's just like the cordial, and then they don't really call, and then eventually New Japan's dating somebody else. <laughs> you know, and it's just like that's how it's going to happen. It won't necessarily yeah. be this like one day New Japan disavows you know Ring of Honor and sides with the Ring AEW. It's just like they're going to slowly you know venture apart from one another, and then eventually they'll start seeing other people, and that's just yeah. You know. New, New Japan New Japan doesn't have to come home early one day and catch Ring of Honor fucking their brother. You know, it doesn't have to be like that, like you're saying. It can just be, it, it, you just drift apart. And I feel like that's exactly what's occurring. Yeah, it's 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 not pronounced. It's not one moment. There's not one big thing. There's not, it's just happening, you know. Dogs are, think, are living think, about this Ring of Honor. I think, I think your dog just ended the show. I think they did. Anyway, so we are uh, wrapping up here on the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast this week. I'm so sorry about the parking, but uh, I do want to let you know a lot of great audio content here on the Patreon side, voiceofwrestling.com slash Patreon. Uh, Joe and I have done a shit ton of audio over the last week. Uh, you got the Thursday tier reviews. You got Joe Vember to remember. I got the Fall Brawl recall up there. I have the house call with Michelle and I watching uh, the Hell in a Cell main event. There's just so much stuff there voicewrestling.com slash patreon a lot of people tell us it is the best value in pro wrestling audio we have agreed with that we absolutely say that as low as one dollar you can get in five dollar tier to unlock everything voicewrestling.com slash patreon great stuff on there also voicewrestling.com uh, all of our columns reviews previews all other good stuff as well as the voice wrestling podcast network if you're just listening to voices of wrestling uh make sure you expand your horizons there and watch uh everything or listen to i should say uh, everything else that we have on the podcast network uh voice wrestling podcast network and if you subscribe make sure you review us as well if you're on apple Podcasts or any uh podcast service that allows reviews definitely do that it helps us out a lot for joe lanza i'm rich great we'll see you next time on the voice wrestling flagship podcast take care